Nancy Reagan, 1986. You're right. I do care. And I'm greatly concerned about the epidemic use of drugs by school-aged children. Sports figures, especially hockey players who are so respected by our young people, can help lead the way in our fight to defeat drug abuse. I'm so pleased that NHL players like Wayne Gretzky, Mike Bossy, Rod Langway have joined this effort. Together, we'll make a great team. And together, we'll win this. Sounds like the beginning to an NBA Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Bro Taste This. We're going to down wine, talk about Luis's digestive issues, and Juan's political issues. And I'm a great listener. Alright, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Bro Taste This. We break down wine, food, news and our childhood trauma i am jay motherfucking may joining me is juan legend luis pablo and our special guest jim this week we'll be talking about facebook changing its name to meta and getting to meet the most interesting man in the world right. Boom. how's everyone doing yeah fireworks and uh today my heart rate is 85 so i did have an espresso before everybody got here how's your digestion this week luis dude i took a bad shit today <laughs> I felt like I was shitting glass for a second. Did you have dairy? I didn't have dairy, but I've been eating. So Target has these like sauce jars, where it'll be like tiki masala, it'll be butter chicken, what's the other, um, peanut chicken and uh, Thai, pad Thai, and what's the last one? I can't. Oh, pan and curry. So we've been just going heavy on all of those and just like making chicken every day with white rice. But I don't know. I think they're. Maybe I got a... lot of spicy stuff. Yeah, a lot, a lot of cumin <laughs> in there. A lot of different spices. A lot, of, Yeah, co- some Your system isn't used to. Well, for sure. Yeah. So today, today I'm not going to lie, today was bad. Like, I haven't had a bad one in a while. And today, <laughs> <laughs> today was pretty bad. Um, Jim, that, th- that's riveting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jim. Thank you, you're welcome. That's uh, usually what we talk about is how bad I shit the day of. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Our health issues of the week. Yeah, we, exactly. we usually touch on that for at least a minute. Yeah, you know, how's everybody doing today, though? Everybody's great. <sighs> yeah, I'm Dude. doing. I'm having a great week. Um, just everything's doing well with me. How about you guys, Jim, Jorge? I'm doing great. It's terrible frost last night, so everything's dead, and I was out oh, that's dismantling my garden. Yeah, I'm sure that. That's definitely not fun. It is that busy time of the garden season right, right now. Right, where you have to pretty much take everything over down. the garden, essentially. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Jay, how Full you doing? Full chores. Yeah, good. Happiest, happiest November. Holidays are coming up. Exactly. That is true. We got a, a, a light plan for Thanksgiving. A little Friendsgiving we're going to do. We'll um, figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll yeah. play it by ear. Play it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing. We'll play it by ear. It just means we won't plan anything. Yeah, doing family stuff. Uh, I will be doing family stuff. My dad got a wild hair up his ass, so he wants to go to Ohio. And I'm like, well, the rest of us are staying here. <laughs> so God bless. Uh, he's got family out there, and it's just not worth like everybody going. So yeah. he might go out there with like his uh, brother and sister. And then I think I told my mom, like, if you want to just come over, like I can cook dinner here or something. So she's like, yeah, we'll probably do that and uh, do some light. We'll see, though. 
Sounds great. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. We'll see what happens. Um, Are you going to invite your siblings? Fuck no. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, obviously, they're coming. Um, let's get into a quick main topic before we dive into uh, the most interesting man in the world, which is Jim Black. Oh, before we do that, we're talking about uh, the wine today, which is a Sancir 2020 OP, which is a Sauvignon Blanc from France. And uh, Jim, you actually had something you wanted to share about Sancir, is that correct? Yeah, well, I'm just uh, saying, you, you guys were talking about the price difference and stuff, and I said it's pretty much all from the same place. You know, it comes yeah. from Sancerre, France, which is, a, you know, same intimate little region, same climate, same soil for the most fact. They might have slopes that get more sun, but, you know, don't don't let the price fool you. you know, it's not going to make it any better. And they all have a similar taste, you know, they're very minerally. They've got their Sancerre is kind of known for a real flinty taste. This yeah. is incredible. It, this is very nice. It's very round. Yeah. It's not as, it's not yeah, as it's, austere as some. No, this is a great wine. Is it? It's, it's almost chalky. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying. Flint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you said that, that's like what I tasted. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. No, it's label. I mean, did they add anything to this? It tastes kind of almost a little no. fattier than. Uh, uh, from what I understand, I'm looking at the actual um, producer and uh, distributor here. Um, it doesn't look like it. It's, so somebody has to put in like two percent, like semillon, which is like a buttery it up a little bit. But that's uh, it's very nice. What color would you guys say this is? Like a light, very see-through yellow. It's not very gold. It's not very no pale. This is, I would consider this a very, very pale yellow. Yeah, like a straw. Maybe like yeah, straw. Straw is a good word for it. But very see-through. Yeah, extremely. So this one is actually. Um, it can range, like Jim was saying, the prices, but this one specifically costs uh, $30, essentially. Um, there's a small discrepancies, but it looks like $30 is the main one. And uh, no, it, it's actually not mixed with anything. This is strictly Sauvignon Blanc. Cool. Um, the farming does specifically say it's low intervention, so I'm guessing they don't tamper it with it too much. And the region is uh, low, from where I'm guessing since is. Uh, Loire, it's got two regions, uh, L-O-I-R-E and yeah. Sincere. Loire, it's like a sort of Chenin Blanc is made. And okay, and so I'm guessing both of them are, are probably there. And this has a really high ABV, 14.5. Yeah, it's actually really high. That Which is honestly pretty cool for a white wine. Yeah. <laughs> They're not usually that high. And it's surprising that it's that high when it's, you know, specifically the farming has low intervention. So I wonder if in the um, fermentation process they... Maybe they just let it go for a while. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, and you know, no oak in it. I don't imagine. You know. Right. And you know, the we I did find something out that it, if you let the wine sit for longer while you're fermenting it, it actually loses color, which might explain why it's so high in alcohol and why it's so pale. So no, this is a great wine. Run to the grocery store and buy this shit because this is fantastic. I thought it was pretty fruity too for a, a mineral forward wine. I thought like. Honestly, the first taste I had was almost like a smack of bananas to the face. Pairs really well with a lot of food, too. <laughs> smack of the banana. You like that one? Did you say smack of bananas to you the face? You like that one? <laughs> Comes naturally, so he doesn't. Hey, <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> Dude, it's it has a very like tropical like nose to it. Name one tropical fruit. Guava. All right, you got me. That was Have you ever tried a... Uh, Nouveau Beaujolais, or uh, Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, we've had a few, but oh, I, red I haven't. Yeah, I haven't 
Maybe just regular Beaujolais. I don't think I've had Nouveau. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nouveau, because there's absolutely no, it's just juice. You know, they don't have that time to age and old yeah. or anything like that. So, But that often has a real distinct green banana flavor to it. Oh, ah, okay. Interesting. I'm a big that, banana that guy, so really I might good. have to get I, on that I one. also love bananas. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, let's get into the weekly news real quick. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is uh, I wanted to highlight a local uh, publication. Uh, a couple of coworkers of ours, uh, Colin Lee and actually Harrison Cicero, who, um, yeah, all of us here in the room know, uh, they started a small publication called uh, thepublicpress.org, where they have a couple of, you know, just a... Uh, I would say non-biased uh, publications, you know, a little bit more left centrist, but um, yeah, go check them out for if you want to just, you know, read something that isn't either extremely right or extremely left. That's uh, interesting, because I was wondering what Colin was going to do with his I was interviewed by before he ever was accepted. In, oh, really? Yeah. He interviewed you? Not him, but someone from the public press? Security. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Quite a long, lengthy interview. Yeah. I don't know, I, I like seems, like, seems like a nice kid to me. You know, I, I hope know. that's somewhere. <laughs> wait, wait. Is Colin a Fed or something? Mm, he no, he went to the military. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were doing like a profile on him, and they came to you as well. Yeah, and I think he yeah. wanted to get into you know more. Uh, Maybe like a intelligence. Sec- yeah, intelligence like officer. So like, like that, and that's yeah. what this was: intelligence officer, security. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um. <laughs> Today's uh, news is regarding uh, Facebook. The toxic platform, not themselves had changed names, but the overarching company has now got a name. Before it was just Facebook owning Instagram, Oculus, and WhatsApp, but now that company is considered uh, Meta. So uh, (laughs) this is a uh, piece from um, Markets Business Insider. So it'll be linked in the description down below, uh, as well as the publicpress.org. So while his billionaire peers are working on launching themselves into space, Zuckerberg has been working on something different. Facebook last week changed his name to Meta Platforms. And the stock has climbed more than 4% after the announcement uh, last week. After it announced uh, its name change, it's actually going to spend $10 billion on a metaverse related investments and the company has steadily been acquiring vr startups and uh themselves have ten thousand employees which is twice as many as the entirety of twitter god damn employees employees for the vr services alone they literally already have a company or a workforce twice the size of twitter like twice the size of a little experiment correct they have acquired yeah Yeah. you're right (laughs) So they acquired Oculus a couple of years ago when they were first getting big. They tried to acquire Snapchat, and Snapchat decided to uh, turn down the offer. And Snapchat has actually grown exponentially as a company since then. And uh, the other big thing was that uh, Nike has announced they will be uh, they s- essentially will be selling Nike shoes to the platform itself. So you can then buy Nike shoes on the metaverse. And if you've seen, have anybody seen any of the commercials for Meta? I, it's I like this VR state simulation thing where you VR stand for you? VR stands for virtual reality. Oh, yeah. So you, you can put on the goggles or even just like as a 
log in through your computer and live this virtual life through Facebook and attend yeah. meetings in space. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. And where you can like overly manipulate your room. Right. Or like the layout of where you are in the metaverse. Yeah. So instead of being like a Zoom meeting and you just have your uh, screen blacked off, you can actually just create your avatar and then dress them up in the way that you want. So Snapchat has a very similar feature in Bitmoji, but now this is going to be like 3D. You can self-immerse yourself. And in my opinion, this is going to fucking kill everybody. This is scary as fuck. This is like you become, you enter the Sims world? Yeah, like, essentially. This is literally that. This is, this is literally that. Yeah. This is how we enter the Matrix, and then people will lose themselves into this. They're trying to make the Sims like a permanent reality. Yes. Because then people are just going to end up spending so much time on there. This is the fucking start of the Matrix. I swear to fucking God. Like, there is there is no way. People already spend so much what's time on movie? their phone. What's, no, what's that movie with the little... <laughs> what's that movie with the little robot? Um, Wally? And, Wally. This Wally. Is this, Wally. This reminds me of Wally. Yeah. No, people are just going to lose them. Because people already spend hours on their phone. Every 30 yeah. seconds, people check their phone. And so... And you f- don't even, like live in it so right. like imagine if you're actually transported yeah. by your device like yeah i remember there was this uh game on myspace where you could it was kind of the same thing but it was like it was the sims essentially but it was you online with a bunch of other people and me and my friend really got into it for like a month until these like uh pretend to be girls kept like stalking us but what you could do in the game i think it was called small world or something like that and so you would create your avatar and you'd kind I of remember that. fly you know what i'm talking about i saw it referenced on like south park i think yeah. or some shit yeah but yeah you, you would get a notification when your friends were online and vice versa and you could immediately teleport to their location if you were like considered best friends you can like if i was more of a runescape kind of guy myself <laughs> So, yeah, I think this is the start of the fucking pitfall. How did you figure out they might not be what they seem? Because we were, like, teenagers, and we're like, this is too good to be true. We're like, oh, man, like, oh, you want to be my girlfriend? We're like, yeah. And then they were like, oh, how come you're not online? And it's like, me and my friend talked about it at school. We're like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to play that game. It's going to be weird. Because they could literally teleport to your location at all times. But you could also teleport elsewhere. So the more we teleported, like, they would just keep following us. And we're like, this is not. Why don't you have block them? Um, Because I think, I mean, number one, I think we were too stupid at the time. And we were just like, fuck it. And then we kept trying to run away from it. Like, this is flirting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which, expl- this is which explains my, my stalking <laughs> habits. <laughs> my stalking tendency. Yeah. Uh, Jim, do you have any thoughts about this? As a old no, How old I, are you? If you don't mind no, me asking. No, I'm, I'm going to turn 70 next month. You look not a hair past 32. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, really, I'm just, I haven't really don't know that much about it. That's why I'm asking questions. Yeah. I don't even know what does meta stand for. Meta doesn't stand for anything. I think it stands for the metaverse, no? It stands for metaverse, but, like, the meta just kind of... It's like an umbrella term. Yeah, it's Almost like Alphabet and Google. Yeah, essentially. Because, yeah, Google goes... The overarching company for Google is Alphabet. Yeah, YouTube owns... Yeah. I have a... I saw something on on Facebook. Someone showed me... But it had a... Does it have a symbol on it? Like, Mm -hmm. infinity? Yes, it's like an infinity that looks more like an N. So, uh, the... Merriam-Webster definition of meta is showing or suggesting an explicit awareness of itself or oneself and uh, cleverly self-referential, which, in my opinion, are are they self-referencing uh, themselves as like uh, 
a terrible company? Like, is that what's going <laughs> on with this? Like, is a company that promotes hate and uh, hate speech? I did have one question for you, though, Jim. Um, how, like, what effects have you noticed that companies like Facebook or social media in general have had, like, around you, whether that be youth or adults? Like, what, it, have you noticed any particular trends that it, May carry out or, well, it or just, push. it's become so toxic, you yeah. Know, yeah, over the last couple of years, especially with the elections and stuff. And then yeah. there's just like every idiot can, without right. anything, can say anything they want, or the trolls and the it's just it's, it's taken at face value, it's like a wild yeah. west right now, a little bit. Yeah, I think this will probably only make it worse, um, because people are going to be just so much more engaged, yeah, you like, know, you're going to be. It's going to replace, like, video games for a shit ton of people. Yeah. Yeah, and the big thing, too, is, like, uh, people are people are going to have their safe space and have something, like, almost like their home, and someone random is going to be able to get in there and just, like, hate speech. And be like, you fucking suck, you know? So it's almost like someone walking to this apartment and being like, hey, fuck you, all of you are wrong. Stupid libtard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's going to happen more and more, and, yeah, I mean... I don't, think, I don't think it'll go bad until the point where you can actually feel stuff like like physically physically that's that's when it's a whole different thing like, uh, like kind of like ready play this is the start of ready player one yeah, yeah but I feel like if anything before then it's just not I mean it's just not gonna be that that, that bad. serious that, you feel, that you feel like it, if it's not if it's not very tangible, like, you, they still have to come back to real life yeah, and feel right things. like you but once once it gets to that point where you can, where you can feel stuff in her then that's the point okay. where it should be right. hey, you, you think it has to feel like a little bit real and stimulating yeah, it's like very stimulating, stimulating. Yeah, well it's like when yeah that's a good point I was gonna say I think the like the main issue that I see in or foresee is like a sort of like a pay to play model to an extreme I don't think it like, will I mean obviously like, like they will have something on there where it's like if you pay five bucks a month you're gonna get like the space room that looks cool yeah. as opposed to like the garden like I can see that being but everyone's to be wearing you don't have to gear and stuff. You can to be fully immersed, but it, um, what I'm guessing is they're gonna have that option where it's like, hey, if you buy the Oculus set, which is a VR headset that they own, um, they own the company. I'm guessing they'll be like, if you buy this, you get access to like these 30 exclusive rooms, and if like you just log in through your computer, like you're playing a video game, you can probably just have access to regular shit, because. I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Because they're, what they're going to want is people on the platform no matter what. Honestly, if you want to spend money on that, who cares? Yeah, who the fuck cares? Yeah, no one's holding <laughs> you back. Literally. It's like people playing, paying money in, like, video games. Like, to have the better team. It's I like, guess, right. but, like, you give this to a teenager and, like... Teenagers... Can you can you really blame me for being addicted when this technology has been engineered by the smartest people on Earth to no. get them addicted? No. Like, can you... I think it will happen. I like, think we're going to see cases of, like, yeah, kids dying of starvation. And it's like, oh, why would anyone do It's like Pokemon Go. When yeah. Pokemon Go came out, people were running into traffic. But then I was the same asshole, like, running across the street to fucking collect There's the There's the over there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know what? It's going to happen. <laughs> oh, like, that's a legendary. Yeah. <laughs> um, my final question before we move on is, uh, will this help Facebook escape its dark past? Because very recently, uh, Francis Hauger came out and, you know, essentially said that Facebook only cares about its profit it's and not line. its safety and anything else. And this kind of feels like it's trying to, maybe this was already in the works, 
but they kind of rushed it yeah, out at I the can time to kind of like block some of yeah, that. Yeah, to almost like get over the last news cycle. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So. It kind of reminds me of uh, these huge, humongous uh, insurance companies that were manipulating the market with you know uh, false data and, and making, okay. and then they finally busted. So like they were so ashamed they had to like change their name to like ING. Oh, or, okay. uh, you know, an acronym that, yeah, that's yeah. less yeah. easy to and follow. Just to kind of let's let's yeah. bury that last company and move on. Yeah, no, this feels kind of like that. This feels definitely like, hey, you know, ignore that. Look at this new shiny toy. Like, yeah. So I, I, it definitely does feel like that. It definitely feels like, like forget about that Francis Hogan shit. That bitch was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, just look at this meta where you can be a dinosaur with your friends. Like, it definitely feels like that. So. I'm going to make a prediction that I only kind of half-heartedly believe in, but I think this might go the way of Google Glass, where they're, <laughs> they're coming out swinging, like, putting out the greatest advertisements, like, yeah. like the CEO is out there selling it, and a year from now, like, they're going to sweep it under the rug, because they so. might, I'm... I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not 100 into this view, but I yeah. can see it going the way of Google Glass. Like almost, it sounds overly ambitious. Almost like if it, Google it Glass was. wasn't able to get pulled off, like how that, which is kind of like what they were going for, but like 10 years ago, you know, yeah. like it was, it was melding uh, real reality with virtual reality. Right. You would go out there and have like little things show up on your glasses. Uh, I mean, maybe they can do it, but it almost sounds like more than that. So yeah. I, I can kind of see it in like a year or two, like that they sweep it under the rug and hopefully they, they remember it or they hope that no one remembers that they talked about this. But who knows? Maybe not. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, I hopefully agree. I agree. I'm hopeful, but who knows with Facebook's fucking infinite money that they have. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> Uh, wine. Final thoughts. What do we all think? Uh, let's go around the horn. Jay, if you want to start us off, and then we'll go this way. Yeah, I'd say like a like seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Seven out of okay. ten for me. I feel like that's reasonable for it. Yeah. It's good, but I don't know. I don't know. It was. It wasn't my favorite. It wasn't wow for you. Yeah. It didn't have that wow factor. Yeah. What's uh, an occasion that you would drink this at? I could drink this just hanging out. No yeah. need food for yeah. this. Yeah. It's a nice just drinking one. I would. Yeah. Okay. Juan. Um, personally, uh, I really enjoy this wine. I enjoy colder. The warmer it gets, the less I enjoy it. Yeah. It gets a little bit more like a citrus peel. Um, but when I first had it, it was incredible. I thought it was, it was really the first, the nose I got was like tropical fruit, like guava, banana, but I would taste it and it tasted chalky and mineral forward. Um, but it's super silky as well. And like almost yeah. like almost like a borderline creaminess to it, so it's really enjoyable. I, I I really like this one. I would have it as an everyday drinking wine, but I I could also low key have this with um like a a mild tasting white fish. Interesting. That that would be like a good food that I can see myself pairing this with, or like a a lemon sauce or a lemon sauce with chicken, chicken piccata, something like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thoughts about the wine? Um, I really like it. Um. You were right with the, it. Almost has a little creaminess to the texture. I like the texture. It's, it's yeah. a little bit more fuller than other uh, sensors I've had, uh, which are usually a little bit more austere. And you've got the flavor, uh, but 
what's great about Sancerre, it's it's perfect for seafood. It's perfect for shellfish, especially. Yeah. And when you when you drink something like Sancerre, something that's really austere like that, you have a scallop in there. All of a sudden, that oh. tastes like a buttery Chardonnay. Almost, yeah. You know, it's just like it, it's changed. I mean, that's the the fun of uh, food and wine together yeah. if they're correctly paired. That's true. So I, mean, I would always think of that for. Yeah. Like Fair scallops? enough. <laughs> I love scallops. Uh, uh, I would actually. Yeah, you are allergic to scallops. I don't think I would enjoy food with this. I think I enjoy the wine so much that I would want to enjoy it on its on its own, maybe yeah. for like an appetizer, like a very light maybe bruschetta or something along those lines, like a caprese or something. But then enjoy something a little bit bigger, like with wine, with uh, with food actually. So, ladies and gentlemen, the introduction of the most interesting man in the world, Jim Black. Ireland, North Ireland, Scotland, Netherlands, all North and Central America except for Salvador for some reason, um, where I would have been put on a meat hook, as he would say, and fed my testicles. Um, Peru, Ecuador, Chile, and Bolivia. Oh, yes, and Puerto Rico. Um, as for writing goes, he also loves writing poetry. In grade school, started doing homework, earning written assignments and poems instead of essays. Um, started publishing individual poems in college. In NYC, started doing freelance journalistic pieces about Central America, conflicts for lefty Republicans that were... Publications. Lefty, lefty publications. Publications, excuse me, that were distributed nationally at the time. Wrote a couple pieces from Costa Rica and Nicaragua, but realized was too biased and... Why pretend to be objective? Right. Got a job at the Casa de Gobierno actually placed there by a good friend of his who was in the military at the time to monitor what the North American media was saying about Nicaragua and Central America which dominated the news during those years. He had access to the news services and controlled two huge satellite dishes for the TV media. After the Sandinista electoral defeat in the 90s in 90 left the government service and went to work for Barricada, Barricada Internacional a bilingual pro-Sandinista newspaper distributed internationally. Post-war, Nicaragua was chaotic and a little bit depressing. Um, I eventually got tired of looking over his shoulder and was no longer willing to risk anything. So he dragged his heartbroken ass back home and worked to get his son out of there. Um, started bartending again and to keep sane. Started writing personal essays for the Walworth County publication called The Week when they were bought out by CSI publications, took the editor with them who asked to keep writing for him. Damn, Fluchek? Fluchek, yeah. Fluchek was his editor for over 20 years until he left print media for TV in Madison. So let's all give Jim a, a proper... Some fireworks. Exactly. That was beautiful. Um, immediately, I have, you know, of course, a couple questions. But uh, is there anything you'd like to add? I mean, I know there's a couple of days since you've written that. No, I haven't been to any other country since then. Okay. Since <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of days. Um, yeah, and, you know, we'll, this will be very free. Obviously, we'll focus on some of the stuff that happened while you were in Central America. I guess, well, I guess I, what that is is once I started traveling, the more I started getting educated, and especially once I took my trip to Peru where I probably five months down there you know just as the doing the gringo trail as they saw but that really 
kind of was one of the things that changed my mind about things. I started thinking about things. Okay. That and the uh, the Chilean overthrow of Salvador Allende just blew my mind, and after that I was turned. The original 9-11. The original 9-11. Could you elaborate? <coughs> that, the overthrow of Salvador Allende, who was like a Bernie-like figure in Chile, right? He was uh, the uh, first democratically elected president that Chile had ever had. And yeah. He happened to be a socialist. And yeah. A socialist. Well, you know, at that time he had IT&T down there and copper mines and, and all the, you know, everything that means up here to big businesses. So they tried for three years to intervene and get him overthrown. They, had, they would finance strikes. They would do, you know, everything to bring that country down, get him out of there, and nothing worked because people believed in him. And finally they came in with uh, airplanes and, and uh, bombed the palace that he was in and killed him. Who did? Well, the U.S. backed. Well, it was the U.S. Like, yeah. I mean, they may have been Chilean pilots, but, mm -hmm. you know. In, in the meantime, that was a time when they rounded up, you know, every intellectual, every... Religious figure. They took them all out in a stadium. I mean, they massacred like ten thousand people over the next year. You know, and, uh, if, and so just to wipe out, you don't want any. And I've worked with some of those refugees since. After that, in New York City, getting them readjusted, who were released from prison. And the the characters that he's talking about, like Pinochet, the general, and his economist Milton Friedman, and them, they literally studied at the Chicago School of Economics. They are like the originators of what we in the West live with today is like our modern e economy of like outsourcing jobs and CEOs like should get paid everything like neoliberalism quite literally started with Milton Friedman and the Chicago School of Economics and and they used Chile as like their first experiments with it like like they essentially gave Milton Friedman like free reigns of the Chilean economy and were like figure out what works here and what doesn't, and then we'll expropriate that knowledge onto other countries. Interesting. But that's, like, some of the origins of, yeah, neoliberalism. What would you say uh, media was being... What would you say the American media was portraying Central America as at the time? And by at the time, I mean, like, the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, yeah. It is always uh, evening news... It was always about Central America because there was a lot of stuff going on there. There was stuff in El Salvador Revolution. The, well, that had already, that was underway. Uh, in 79, the Sandinistas walked in to claim Nicaragua. Samosa, you know, left on a plane later to meet up with his justified death in Uruguay with a bazooka. Um, and so they covered all that. But what, they, what really pissed me off when I got back to the States was like, it fury me. It got more active. Is that they'd have in the evening news they'd portray as the east west. They'd have the hammer and sickle flag and they'd have the US flag in the corners of the news desk. They would portray and, it as like a Cold War thing, yes, right? It, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, that was, was Reagan's whole thing. Yeah. When Carter came in briefly in eighty after the Senate was there, he agreed to work with them and be friendly but once, but that was eighty so I think Reagan came in in eighty after that election and, and he, he was talking about the Nicaraguans would be marching up the isthmus of Canada. I mean, you yeah. know, they didn't have a pot to piss in. You know, they didn't. Right. Yeah, they. I they, mean, it was a total. But he, the domino theory. You know, right. like, if we let this fall, then they're all going to fall to communism. And yeah. Just like you know, it wasn't about that. It was about people trying to survive. Uh, yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, they were brutal, oppressive regimes. 
right? A, a lot of this felt like it came trying to erase the memory of Vietnam and uh, trying to pick uh, American, America themselves as like the dragon slayer, the anti-Soviet. And like you said, they were saying like the Nicaraguans were going to come through and essentially p- put communism all throughout. Spread yeah, communism yeah. like yeah, a right. virus it's, it's, all it's, over it's, the it's, continent. Yeah, it's really yeah. going to spread to everyone and you couldn't stop it. That makes no fucking sense to me. It didn't if you've ever been to those countries, you'd know it make no R- sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Nicaragua itself only had 3 million people at the time, and their capital income was only $730 per year. And they were not only a third world country, but they were considered a third world poverty. Um so when the Sandinistas started to come through and actually uh, revolutionizing everything, and please correct me if, if I'm wrong on any of this, um, they kind of saw some of them saw that as a good thing because you know they were taking back their land, and some of them, a lot well, of the middle class who did not actually like them at all. Yeah, well, a lot of the, the uh, rich landowners abandoned the country right away. Yeah, um, and they took all the money with them and emptied the banks, of course. So the, you know, Sandinistas had nothing to work with. Yeah, I mean nothing, and. But what they were able to do, that which really caught my attention, maybe when I go down there, I just because I got tired of lefty politics up in New York City, believe me, and it's like it's politically correct stuff. And, <laughs> and so, for example, they uh, they brought in reintroduced breastfeeding. You know, they had one of the highest infant infant mortality rates in in all of Central America. Jesus. Did that have to do with the baby formula? <laughs> yes, yes, um, because they. Uh, Nestle's all those companies that come in and and went and told me you have to have they you know baby formula you know yeah I t- I, w- I was recently exposed to this about how Nestle quite literally all over the global south like in in poorer countries they would go and gift uh, baby formula to doctors and hospitals and make them give it out when the women first had their babies. And they would tell the doctors to tell the women, hey, this is better for your kid. Like, yeah, you know, they would say, no, don't eat beans, don't this, that. Yeah. And what the thing was, like, if you're poor and, and not educated out there, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, well, My- I'll just make it go farther. I'll stretch it. I'll dilute it, you know, which takes away all the potent. And, and what are you going to dilute it with? Oh, well, this contaminated water that we all drink and we always have diarrhea. Yeah. And and the kids were, you know, they were dropping over, dying by the thousands. Yeah. Um, they were, like, the, spreading out a a jar that would be used for a week yeah. and dilute that for sometimes three weeks or, like, four weeks, sometimes two weeks. Yeah. And they had done such a good uh, job of the propaganda, women really thought, like, you know, like, breast milk. They had told us, like, that's not good for them. You know, we yeah. Don't, we don't, you know so when reality, they had to start from best. scratch. And they had, you know, like, posters up of drawings, you know, like, you know, childlike drawings of a mother breastfeeding and stuff and... They really had to work hard to get back at it. In the meantime, the World Health Organization, uh, they put up a vote to condemn uh, Nestle or, or or any of those companies for introducing baby formula to underdeveloped countries. Well, the entire world agreed with that except for one. Do you remember who it was? The United States. The United States. The only fucking dissenting voice. Yeah. Because of Nestle's and Because that's our company. It's, that's it's, our yeah, business. business. That's you know, our so multinational you corporation. You can't interfere with business. You know? That's what we are. We're capitalists, so... Fuck those kids, and we don't care. Jesus, Christ. man, this, this is this is why I believe. Like, I don't really believe in the death penalty, unless you fucking pussy. Unless it's some case like that, <laughs> man. Like, I stand by my comments. Unless it's some case like that, if you're like a C level, a fit, like I guess, office holder in a comp in a company like that, and you Jesus. know that your company's up to that shit. Yeah, they should fucking get killed. One hundred percent. 
The other thing they did too was the uh, they eradicated polio within one year. It was simple. The yeah. World Health Organization always gave them money for vaccines. Well, guess what? Samosa fucking pocketed all, that, pocketed all that money. So it never made its way to the people. They never got the, you know. Jesus. Polio was a, a huge. You said Samosa did, right? Samosa. And then uh, Samosa is actually, um, just to give some. Yeah, Jim, could you elaborate We're going to go through Samo- yeah, kind yeah. of saying a couple things, and then I'll give some definitions on it. So. Samosa was a, was a dictator, but he was, it's, it, there were like four generations of Samosa. Right. That kind of ran that place like it's their own personal hacienda. And they ruled, and you know, and they, so the military was in their back pocket, much like uh, it was like, a, you know, like El Salvador had an oligarchy. Yeah, the same thing. There was a, a class system, but it had to do with the, the military. I heard you were from El Salvador. Yeah, yeah, my grandparents. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, the, the banking system and the economy and military were all one. Yeah. So they had all the power, and of course they were very brutal. I mean, you know, as far as the repression once the Revolution started there, much like it started in Nicaragua. It was pretty much homegrown. It started out with sticks and stones, right, and getting a few guns here and there, uh, hey. kind of traveling to villages and trying to educate people what was going on. Before you elaborate, Jim, could you talk or maybe mention a little bit? Of, I was under the impression that Samoa's uh, and their family, their dictatorship in general was U.S. backed. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Or, that, yeah. Could, uh, Not only U.S. backed, but trained. Uh, their military leaders were trained in the, I think they called it the School of the Americas. This, yep, the yeah, School actually, of the Americas. Some of them were brought to Arizona. Right, and that's where they learned good, nice torture techniques as well. Right. You know, and, and uh, Pinochet also trained uh, with the School of the Americas. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And uh, they recently changed their name, uh, speaking of like a topic we were literally quite talk- talking about earlier, to the OAS, um, or I, I believe that's what it is now, yeah. I, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but... The OAS? Uh, I, I believe so. Or, uh, There's the Organization of American States, but I mean, okay. that the, I'm not sure what the, but I'm sure they did change the. Yeah, they they recently changed their name to like Central American Defense something, oh, okay. something that's really, you know, would go over your head. That's really cliche sounding. It sounds nice. Almost. It sounds nice, yeah, exactly. So real quick, just to give a little bit more um, background on Samosa. And uh, how he was overthrown. So he was overthrown by the Sandinista, which actually stands for Sandinista National Liberation Front. Yeah. And it was a Spanish. FSLN. Yeah, it was a Spanish Frente Sandinista de Liberación Nacional. So they were the ones that overthrew President Anastasio Somoza de Baile in 1979, ending, like Jim said, 46 years of dictatorship by the Somoza family. Um, the The Sandinistas governed Nicaragua from 79 to 1990 which is when you came to the United States. Right. And the Sandinista leader, Daniel Ortega, was re-elected president in 2006, 2011, and 2016. And uh, Sandinistas are named for uh, Cesar Augusto Sandino, a hero of Nicaraguan resistance to the U.S. military uh, that occupied Nicaragua from 1927 to 1933. And uh, it was founded in 1962 by Carlos Fonseca Amador. That is the Sandinista. It was founded by uh, Carlos Fonseca Amador, like I just said, Silvio Mayorga, and Tomás Borges Martínez as a revolutionary group committed to socialism. Right. So they specifically wanted... These were all smart. I met a couple of them. I knew Borges. Um, what the fuck? You knew these guys? Dude, he... Yeah. Well, yeah, he I mean... He was telling me he knew the guy from Merrill, Wisconsin. The guy, the you, you... I didn't know him, but he was. I was down there with Hassan Foos. We'll talk about... Okay, okay, before we jump around, but yeah, before he... Before we jump around, Jim, Jim was in there, man. All he right. knew, like, the characters we're reading about. 
Holy so shit. So my best I friend, my best friend so the same one who actually placed me in the Casa de Gobierno, um, was kind of Tomas Borges' right-hand man, bodyguard, and translator. And could you just reiterate who Borges is? And Borges was one of the comandantes that was, he was one of the funny members of the Sandinista party. Right, back it was then. him and two other guys that founded okay. it. You know, they were back in, like, as Borges said one time, like, it, you know, in the 60s, wedding streams, you know, shaking their pants in the water, <laughs> getting the dysentery out, and that's all, you know. Like, but they, they fucking talked the talk and walked the walk, man. Yeah. And they went village to village and, you know, tried to educate people what was going on. And they were educated, you know, they could, I think, even, uh, yeah, I think they were like lawyers or something. I mean, they, they were not just... Yeah. You, usually the leaders of these socialist movements are lawyers and doctors and yeah. engineers. My yeah, fa- yeah. The like, same thing has like happened Ch- in Mexico. Che Guevara was a doctor. Yeah. yeah. My favorite part about, you say they walk the walk. So they, the Sandinistas actually were teaching uh, Nicaraguans who were part of their group a new anthem. And... <laughs> In the, I think the second or third line of the national anthem, it literally says "Luchamos al Yankee," which translates directly in English to "We fight against the Yankee," being um, America. Mm-hmm. So these guys were committed to getting Americans out of uh, Nicaragua itself. So well, and they'd been under you know before that it was yeah. the Spaniards. I mean, they had been repressed by some other foreign country. Yeah. So nationalism was was on the grow. You know, and, you know, it's like. So it just picked up steam. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as they started getting more and more bolder, they had bigger, you know, battles and and it just it kind of culminated, it got done to Managua where <coughs> they started bombing in Managua. Yeah. Yeah, it really Their escalated. 100%. Because uh, in 1981 is when America decided that Nicaragua was a threat to El Salvador. Which is, as you said, they were kind of undergoing their own revolution. And uh, there's quotes of, if we don't fight them in Nicaragua or Honduras, they'll end up in Kansas. Yeah. You yeah. know, come on, really. And my, what a laughable <laughs> idea. I'm talking about, about my friend who was what there. What a laughable idea. He was there at that time, and, and uh, his parents were good friends with Borges and stuff. So he was, his mother, well, I don't want to get too out of Personal. Topic, yeah. His mother was uh, Claribel Alegria, who was a famous poet, Latin American poet. Uh, she was actually born in El Salvador, but she was raised in Nicaragua. Um, but always identified as being Salvadoran. As things got tighter, I mean, she was told, because it's not just families that you know, rule things in those countries, so they, she was kind of given the you know, up and up, you're on the death squad, get out of here. So my friend, uh, Danielle, and his father was a bud from North Dakota. Yeah. And also a writer. He was married. I mean, he was actually originally in the CIA. And after the Bay of Pigs, he said, fuck this shit. You know, like I'm, wow. And his uh, soon-to-be wife was Claudia Bellalegria. Yeah. So they spent their time going from country to country, which, you know, turned out well for Danielle because he spoke five languages fluently. Jesus. So he would travel with whoever and also as a bodyguard. And, yeah. Wow. But I learned a lot from him from the insights of what was going on. Yeah. Well, as you said, the CIA, you know, was involved in the Bay of Pigs because in uh, November 16, 1981 is when America announced war by by proxy against uh, the Sandinista. So by proxy doesn't mean that American lives were at stake. They were just teaching other Nicaraguans how to fight their own Nicaraguans. Um, And the CIA was... They were uh, essentially inciting civil war. Right. So they would develop paramilitary force against the Sandinista... um, and the big thing too is that Washington called it a low-intensity warfare, 
which ended up just prolonging it longer and longer and longer and longer. And it went on for years and years. And uh, they took the Contra leaders were elected from within the U.S. And uh, they took Nicaraguan exiles that were residing in Mo uh, Miami at the time. They taught him PR relations. So the leader of the PR uh, press, you know, the press relationships and uh, personal relations were told specifically what to say during interviews. So when they were being asked, like, there's a great video that I'll link down below of uh, PBS uh, made a whole documentary on it during the 80s. But they were told specifically, like, what are you going to say if you're asked, is America backing you? You say what and the guy literally goes well yeah they're, they're the one giving us money they're like no 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 no. you don't say that you say it's private money and they're like, okay what do you say if they ask you have you made contact with americans and he goes yeah i say i'll speak to them every day and he goes no 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 no. you say you've never spoken to anyone from america and so he's like after a while he's like you know I everything they were, they were coaching him to lie coaching him to lie yeah. contradict himself yeah. you know and conversely when those super reporters would ask campesinos in the country who were who were a military or any sort yeah. everyone was militia at that time too I mean, if you want to they give you a gun defend yourself yeah and they would they, of course all the reports would go are you communist and he goes I don't, I don't know if I'm communist, whatever, you know, I, I'm just, I'm trying to protect my land, you know. Yeah. yeah. They really didn't, they were like, just, they're not very simple, because they're just so... They were so fucking poor. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> incredible, I mean, think about $700 a year that these people would see, and they, I mean, they had nothing. And you see some of these uh, Contras bombing and killing people that were just like Hacienda, like they were farmers, and they would just come... And these were kids that they didn't know what they were doing, but they were like, oh, they were taught by Americans, you're fighting the enemy. Like, mm -hmm. they want to take your land, they want to do this and that. And they would come to villages and just kill entire families yeah. in front of each other. And then they would, what they would do to, like, all the projects that the Senators strike, like healthcare centers and schools, mm -hmm. they could build, you know, they targeted those. I was telling him on the way over here, like, uh, coffee harvest, too, which is, a, I mean... A big Nicaraguan export. Yeah. And also, I mean, the Nicaraguans, like... The, the leadership didn't know exactly at first what they're doing. They said so they they kind of got together when they marched into Managua and they're like, all right, what do we do now? Yeah. Uh, you you're a farmer. <laughs> you're uh, you're the Ministry of Agriculture. Yeah. Uh, you were a teacher. You're the Ministry of Education. You know, uh, and, and that's all it was. Jesus. Yeah. They, they they figured it out on the fly. They yeah. did, and yeah, they, they figured like well, what their first music was is like, okay, cotton. We got all this freaking cotton. Yeah. You know, you know people need to eat. We're gonna tear up that cotton. We're gonna plant beans, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, with that cotton, the, the price that they could have got on the market, they could have bought all the beans that they wanted. Yeah. They just weren't they, intelligent. They didn't know, you know. Yeah. And they they learned on the fly too. But Which they is, they weren't they admitted it. So. Yeah. Now Americans were kind of doing it on the fly as well because the CIA was actually uh, Congress bought the whole story that uh, the CIA was essentially making at the time of telling uh, Nicaraguans to lie, and. Uh, they provided $80 million annually of training and military aid. And uh, this is essentially for them to go into, um, I believe it was Honduras, Honduras at the time. And it was essentially a practice session for them to then invade Nicaragua. So they were like, all right, we'll go to Honduras. And they were doing these fucking crazy military experiments and practice sessions where they were just bombing entire desert fields and like training in it is so sad because you see a 16-year-old with a gun and then behind him in the same training session, this old man who's like stumbling behind him, like carrying a fake musket and he's like pretending to shoot. Hoping to hide in the group. 
Right. Yeah. And he's like, they're doing all these experiments and like practice sessions. You're like, this is not going to end well. Like, and, and it just didn't make sense. So, uh, I have to about that too. Like, uh, Jalapa was a town that was on the, on the border of, of Honduras. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, a little, a little kind of a peninsula of Nicaragua went up into Honduras. So they're mm-hmm. easily surrounded by, by Contras at all the time. Yeah. And, uh, in Honduras in 1983, every man above the age of 16 was a subject to a draft, which is just fucking crazy. I mean, a 16 year old is fighting his own people. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean that was the, the tragedy because it literally was could be brother against brother. It was like a, it wasn't yeah, a civil right. war. I mean, they just that. instilled a civil war, and even after everything went down uh, and the U.S. kind of started backing out of everything, they still provided twenty three million dollars in quote unquote humanitarian aid, whatever the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. Which is they still gave them guns and, and everything. They already had the yeah, training. They were giving them money for more. They guns. Had the, guns. You know, speaking of what the development of the media had in that what kind of change things too I think uh, is on TV there was an American reporter for I think ABC I think he was and uh, literally he was taken out of his car and unfilmed uh, laid down and assassinated he just put a bullet in his head and, uh, and that they showed that and that was when all of a sudden everyone had to shut up was that yeah. right one? I can't remember I recognize the name if I, 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 I think I was reading about a, a uh, journalist who suffered a really gruesome death that seemed to be really notable, but yeah, they killed him right in front of yeah. everyone and all the cameras and all the U.S. I mean, there were you know other reporters there. They just yeah, you know, and so that's when you know then they started backing off, like essentially lying. And then they started going more humanitarian effort covert, or something yeah. like yeah. that. They couldn't dress it up anymore. After <laughs> yeah. they, they saw the reality yeah, that public gruesome. opinion had started to sway in the United States, you know, against yeah. this, this, the intervention. So, and then I, you know, we, there's lots of growing movement in the United States against involvement in Central America. I mean, that, that's right. what I was in New York City. We had like two national demonstrations in Washington D.C. and they were, they were big. It just fascinates me that they were lying the whole time, and like people were eating it up, like just full on, yeah. just like. Yeah, let's fucking get them, boys. Mm-hmm. You know, just because after the tragedy that was Vietnam and the unsuccessfulness that that was, like, people were just like, yeah, we got to fight the hammer and sickle. We got to mm-hmm. fight these communists. Yeah. When, like, yeah, you see these videos of fucking... And that's what all the politics just, around these national demonstrations were, man. They would go on for weeks about... They'd have their consignias, you know, like, yeah. you know, the main thing is no U.S. intervention. And then there was a big debate over... No more Vietnams, and then people say, "Well, you know, Vietnam was actually kind of a heroic struggle for the Vietnamese people." Like, yeah. you know, like, all right, no more Vietnam wars. Okay. Howdy. Do you want to join us for a quick break? A very interesting fact I found throughout this whole ordeal was uh, Eugene H. Hausenfuss from Marinette, Wisconsin. Merrill, but yeah, the yeah from same, same just. Same. What what an ally to the country was uh, flying over Nicaragua providing. Uh, this is after they had said they pulled out and were no longer providing shit. Congressman had forbade any type of uh, assistance going to the Contras. Yeah. So that's when Oliver North came in. You know, he was behind that flight as well. They were operating out of El Salvador. Air yeah. Base. And they 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 were flying over uh, Nicaragua. The plane was shut down. A pilot and two other people were killed. Uh, this Wisconsinite was the only one that survived. Hell yeah! And uh, this was in 19- tough over. Yeah, this was in 1986. 
He was then sentenced to 30 years in prison for terrorism and other charges, but was pardoned in that same year. And uh, the statements of admission he made to the Sandinista government resulted in a controversy in the U.S. government after the Reagan administration denied any connection to him. Yep. And they were like, we don't fucking know that guy. We're like, oh, Hasenfus? Who? Yeah. What'd you call me? Yeah. They just denied any connection to him when he was a CIA operative. Did you sneeze? Just fucking crazy. Yeah, no, that blew the door open the Iran Contra scandal. I mean, it was yeah, and they were like, okay. Jim, could you elaborate on that? Since, like, I would say most of our audience is pretty young, and yeah, this honestly, is history, education is really lacking, and they very overlooked in, like, our schools, it's I would a memory say. of recency. Yeah, um, and this is a pretty recent political this event that happened. Forty yeah. years ago. Yeah, um, this could have been taught in like any modern, you know, current events class, but yeah. it's not really talked about that. Like yeah, these events in Central yeah, America. Yeah. Could you the thing I remember that? that is what the well, that's because well, that was my job. Done is I was to you know I monitored the U.S. media. I mean, I had all the ticker tapes flowing through, and then I had the satellites. I had two monitors. And I could get anything I wanted, including, you know, Mexico and other stuff. And turned it some football sometimes on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but what was being said was, like, you know, it was just... For, uh, well, let me preface by one thing. I had one article I did some back. I met uh, Philip Agee, who was uh, one of the first CIA defectors, who wrote a book about it. And I interviewed him in the Intercontinental Hotel. And he told me, well, this is the stuff we would do. You know, we would we would pay a journalist, you know, to use his his name, and then we would put our article in there with the promise of giving them, you know, a favor down the road. Yeah. So at that time, they'd go, they'd put stuff in writing about Cuba was in Angola, and they talk about Cuban soldiers raping Angolan women and stuff, and then they it's pretty much about the Nicaraguans too. They just make this stuff up. Yeah. And uh, you know, just so you'd have this constant negative negative talk coming in. And uh, now I've lost my truck there, but that was what I was seeing. I mean, so I knew what, what we've been fed here. Yeah. This is when you were in New York? Yeah. No, this is when I was in, I was in the Central, Central America. America. Oh, this is when you were in Central America. Yeah, okay. so I was getting all that, because no one else could see that stuff, and they wanted to know oh. what, what's being said. That's what the dishes were for. What are we, yeah. what's being said, you know? And, and so my reports would always, I would just, you know, take down. You were like an OG yeah. nerd, like, yeah. down there. Well, I, had, I mean, it's easier for me to, like, translate True. Spanish to English, but I, so it's, to take it back into Spanish, I had always had, like, a, a, a someone helping me in that secretary, yeah. basically, so we would discuss it. And he put in proper Spanish, so they understood what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You know. Wow. Yeah, and I remember when uh, they also, during that time, I mean, they, they bombed Panama. Mm-hmm. Or, or, yeah, no, Noriega, they had to get Noriega out. He was, he, Noriega was a CIA operative. Yeah. And he was a strong man, too. We called him Cara de Pina because he's, he's real pockmarked faced and stuff. <laughs> but he got to be Cara too much. He was always, always, you know, sharing, you know, had his sword up and he was, you know, spotting off against the United States. And we were yeah. like, what's, this guy's got something on the CIA. He's got right. to, like, why are they just off this guy? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, eventually they went down there. And then as far as, you know, they didn't really need an excuse. They, they made up something like, oh, there were some U.S. citizens who were, I don't know, harassed or whatever. Jesus. And they went in and dropped, you know, a couple thousand pound bombs on these neighborhoods, and, and they ended up getting him out by the, they had him cornered, and they blared uh, rock and roll music to him 24 hours a day until he gave up. 
That's yeah, I, I think one 24-hour session of rock and roll, I'd probably walk out. Yeah. There. So, yeah you Two hours me. of ACDC, and I would have been done. And then they got yeah. up and spent the rest of time in, in Miami in prison, or in Florida in prison. Somewhere. Yeah. Damn. Um, so that kind of summarizes what you went through in Central America. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of go around and ask you questions, and please but, feel free to elaborate on anything. Before we move on, though, I think now would be like a good time to play the clips we had ready. Yeah, we so. do have a, a clip we wanted to, to show you um, that we'll play now. What role did the U.S. government play in bringing crack cocaine into L.A.'s poor black neighborhoods? The government needed this money to fight this war over Nicaragua against the Sandinistas. Russia had gained the Sandinistas $100 million to fight with. Congress had cut off all the money from the, the countries. So now the Sandinistas had an advantage. Reagan and Bush had made the countries their pet peeve. They felt that if Russia took over Nicaragua, they would be too close to America. They would be in our backyard. I believe that they felt it was more valuable to sacrifice a particular sector sector of America and a race of people in America in order to save the whole country. So they let these guys open up pipelines. Danilo Blandon, Norman Nessus, and the rest of the crew that, that, that worked with the Nicaraguan Connection. Because I knew about 10 or 15 different Nicaraguans that was all inside of this you know, contra organization uh, that was selling drugs. So by them allowing these guys, or basically turning a blind eye, because I don't think the government necessarily gave them the drugs or, 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 or whatnot, but in a sense they sanctioned it because they turned a blind eye. They knew that these guys were selling drugs, but they did absolutely nothing about it. I also believe that had they not let these guys sell drugs, it's possible that I would have never become a drug dealer. So that just goes into more of the "Don't Do Drugs" by uh, Nancy Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> when in, in reality they were kind of turning a blind eye and, and letting it happen. They were encouraging it. Yeah. They were, they were flat out encouraging it. I was gonna say the reason I I wanted to bring this clip up was one the people or the person we just heard speaking was Rick Ross, um, the person who the rapper is named after, yes. who's like clout he's trying to <laughs> steal. <laughs> But essentially, Rick Ross was a mid to low level drug dealer that got co-opted or tricked by the CIA into getting really cheap uh, to him, right? Uh, Nicaraguan cocaine that was then turned into crack into eat onto the streets of L.A. This was one of, there was no cocaine in Nicaragua until I mean they may have gone through Nicaragua yes. via somebody, but it wasn't yeah. until after the. Uh, the elections in 90 and then they reduced the the military by so much that the cartel said here well, we go oh, this is and then all of a sudden that last year i mean i was there and in austin the place was flooded with cheap cocaine yeah but i believe the the <laughs> cocaine that they were selling at the time came from bolivia um it was yeah bolivia peru Suarez, Colombia. yeah um and they were used but the point is that they were uh, Rick Ross was sourcing instead of getting it from 15 middlemen where it's you know been priced up 
four or five different times before yeah. it gets to him in LA. It diluted to he, it, Yeah, it, it came from a direct Nicaraguan connection, which is why he was talking about how he knew people in the Contras, in the paramilitary forces. Uh, yeah, he knew some of those characters. So, like, he was getting uh, cocaine directly uh, from a much closer source, skipping a lot of middlemen, and then would turn that cocaine into crack and eventually he became one of the purveyors and popular people or people who popularized crack cocaine in the United States. And I, we were, me and Jim were having this conversation on the way here. I asked him, do you feel that the, these events in Central America are a major factor in the crack epidemic in the United States? And I, I would let you elaborate on that. That's a, absolutely. I mean, it was the beginning of it. I mean, that was the introduction. The door was open at that point and it just, you couldn't, you couldn't close it anymore. Yeah. And that money did go funneled directly back to funding the, the Contras. And that's what it was designed to do. Right. So, that, yeah, so it wasn't a drug epidemic but, that yeah. began by kind of turning a blind eye and then further than leading into so feeding I'm, the Contras. Yeah, I mean, since I just think it's, it's crazy, right, uh, with uh, the Nancy Reagan clip that we also showed, um, how while her husband, Ronald, um, is essentially uh, instructing his CIA and DEA offices to let these shady operations happen so that like his shady allies in Central America can have all, all this money. Um, he was instructing his wife and Congress to uh, essentially impose stricter punishments on anybody who got caught with crack cocaine instead of cocaine. Uh, so while anybody who got caught with crack might face a sentence that's like three or four times longer than anybody who got caught with yeah. cocaine, which is, in my opinion, feels like they knew that they were targeting certain communities because right. the people who smoke crack cocaine yeah. are the poorer communities, yeah, uh, yeah, communities of color, inner city communities. Right, because you could take, I think, I mean, I've only seen this through like narcos, but like if you take cocaine like uh, a gram of it you can make it last a lot longer mixing it with baking soda and then actually cooking it and making crack and you can sell it for a lot cheaper and more of it and make more money so it's like okay they were clearly targeting certain communities and yeah leave it to the american ingenuity to, to squeeze it. <laughs> <laughs> well it's a capitalistic country yeah. man what do you expect sell, sell, a thousand, it, sell a thousand toyotas in one, instead of one cattle exactly yeah. yeah and at the same time that during that time they were bla they were talking about Tomas Borges and said, oh, he was, he was a drug dealer. Like, well, he wasn't. He was very anti-drugs. Yeah. I know that because, like, my best friend was his bodyguard and, like, yeah. you know, if we want to go out and, you know, smoke a little, it was, we would go out with just all bodyguards driving around, you know, because at least they knew they weren't going to, we all yeah. knew, we, we trusted each other. We're all smoking, okay? Yeah, and we're then, good. And we're, we're driving hands, and yeah. no one's going to see us because they knew that Tomas would really, Ream them. <laughs> God knows what. You don't want to cross yeah. fucking Tomas Borges. Yeah, you drink him up. Yeah, honestly, you don't want to cross any revolutionaries. No. We celebrated exactly. my son's third birthday at Tomas Borges' house, actually. It was like, really? It's not much a house. It was more of a compound. <laughs> God <laughs> damn. It was like a, there were turrets. Yeah. And, there were, and he always did that because my friend, Daniel, his daughter was born a week before my son. Yeah. So we were going to celebrate together. And then, of course, Tomas said, oh. My hear. daughter's three. Yeah. Celebrate here, so we. Imagine being that red diaper baby. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's man. awesome. 
Um, yeah, so like I said, we'll, we'll kind of just ask you some questions and uh, right off the bat, I mean, I definitely have a few. Uh, Jay, do you have a few, especially being from El Salvador immigrants? Yeah, I feel like I feel like we talked about a lot. Of, I feel like we talked a lot about um, US, USA's involvement in Central America. Um, in a in a hypothetical scenario, what what do you think would have happened if USA never got involved? Well, I think uh, a lot less people would have been killed for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have they could have overcome in Nicaragua, for example. You know, without that extra added help for guns or anything else, they they could have and they pretty much did it on their own. It was a, it was a homegrown revolution and insurrection, and it wasn't until Somoza really knew he had no escape that he took the plane out of there. Yeah, um, El Salvador. Uh, same thing. There's also a lot of corruption in El Salvador, but again, they had that system in place. And well, now, not to mention that, just the well, we had talked about the Archbishop Romero, uh, well respected uh, Archbishop, who was gunned down right in mid mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were uh, four or five U.S. nuns who were raped and murdered brutally uh, by the, the Salvadoran military. It was all traced back to you know his leaders. Uh, Twelve Jesuit priests were murdered, slaughtered. Again, because they, what do they do? They stick up for the poor. And so they're... they're they held they're, slightly lefty views. They're, yeah, well, that was, you know, apparently, apparently Christ was a, was a communist because, well, you know, yeah, he advocated for the poor. Right. And they were against, uh, you know, military. They kept urging them to, you know, drop the guns and, you know, they eventually just, you know, they would kill, that's who their enemy was. Them and, you know, you know labor leaders or anybody. Do you think it would have affected USA in any type of way? Uh, no. I'm, you know, they might have had to pay more for coffee, and fruit maybe. But that's a but it's not. But their so. their their whole thing was that no, this is. They, they really convinced. They, they, they got to be convinced of themselves, I guess. Right. I don't somehow I don't believe how a, a educated person can really believe that. No, it's right. that, yeah. that they were putting out there. Looking right. back at those those videos and doing any research you're like why would they even slightly believe it but then you see you know we'll get into it more but then you see people you know on january 6th of 2020 all the brave heroes that stormed the capitol building for our rights to the patriots yeah exactly the patriots and then you're like oh you know yeah i can see how yeah i can see how like if you get enough people angry and you feed them a lie over and over again you're gonna get them riled up, and there's gonna be so like few. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah, like let's let's go do that. And I'm talking, the country was so poor, anyways. Even with, with, with the the war going on, like so, honestly, they needed all the gasoline you get, so everything was rationed. Gasoline was rationed. You know, I never had a vehicle or anything, but um, my pay as a government worker, I got paid once a month, and it was about 124 dollars, and my AFA, AFA, arroz frijoles azúcar. You got your AFA, you know, and then you got the check. And there was <laughs> real quick. There was like thirty-five thousand percent runaway inflation at that time. Oh so by the time you got paid, the next day it was almost worthless. Yeah, arroz frijol and azúcar AFA stands for um, rice, beans, and sugar. Yeah. So that's how you were getting paid with one hundred twenty-four yeah. dollars, which I gave to my son's mother all the time. I was, you know, you guys say I'm not gonna. Yeah, like, I'm good. I'll be fine. Yeah, you know, I'll be fine. I got some Yankee out. dollars on me. Mm-hmm. I'll make it last. Yeah. Um, so, Juan, do you have any questions right off the bat? Um, yeah. When you Earlier when I had asked you, you know, about questions you had traveled to, you had mentioned that you had been to all of North and Central America. 
And then you elaborated, except for El Salvador, where I would have been put on a meat hook and fed my testicles. What do you mean by that? Can (laughs) you elaborate on that, please? Well, uh, given the fact that uh, at that time, you know, the Civil War was going on in in El Salvador, and I was living and working in Nicaragua, and my passport was full of Nicaraguan stamps. Yeah. um, That would have pulled me out of line for sure. Been a huge red flag for them? Yeah, just like when I came back here, every time I came in, they would pull me out of line, you know. Wait, what are you doing down there? Yeah, exactly, you know. Hey, uh, what do you mean? I'm a tourist. You know, <laughs> you know, my hands, <laughs> you're beautiful hands are being the wall. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're frisking me, and they're going, Jesus, I'm kind of nervous. Like, your heart's beating fast. I said, well, Jesus, fuck, wouldn't you? Like, <laughs> I'm up against, you know, like, you know. Just, I'm up against anyways. the wall. My pants are off. <laughs> we <laughs> ask you to keep those on. You're expecting <laughs> a sitting, CIA uh, interrogator I'm to walk through the wall. sitting in a chair that's door. got handcuffs on it. You know, yeah. not in them, but they're there. Right. And so there is that. Jesus. Oh, but as far as the other thing with El Salvador, you know, if I'd been detained, it wouldn't have taken them long to find out that I had, I had to work for the FMLN. Yeah, the Sundays. No, that's FSLN. Oh, uh, the, so what's the FMLN? That was the uh, Revolutionary Party of El Salvador. You worked for them as well? I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you said you hadn't been there, so you worked for them outside of the country? In New York City, because we had uh, refugees from El Salvador. Uh, that We had them hiding out in churches. That's what the sanctuary movement was all about. That's how it started. And these are similar uh, refugees that George's grandparents essentially were, right? Because right. they ended up leaving the country around that time? They left around 82. Yeah. I um, moved to, to New York, actually. Yeah. So they grew up in Hempstead, New York. Yeah. That's where they ended up going. Yeah. And so, I mean, I did things like... Damn, that's powerful. You know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, that's eerie. Like, yeah, I mean, and so uh, the, the people I worked with were actually, you know, they were... FLN. See, man, this is why I feel powerful about these issues. You know, yeah. You know, so we, like, this is some real life shit. Like, this touches no real just... people in real communities. Yeah. And so many times, like these issues are just like seen as like a debate topic. No, this like, is no debate. This, this is, is it. Like, just being informative of things that definitely did happen that no one fucking knows about. Yeah, that people who are or that are essentially erased from like the common zeitgeist for a reason. Yeah. They don't. They don't really want us to remember these stories right. all that much. You the know? Americans aren't telling us in school, like, yeah. yeah, it turns out, you know, the government, they're a little shady. You know, they, <laughs> they went down there, they fucked some stuff up, and then they're like, that wasn't us. That was, and I knew their information was well coordinated because at one time, one of the, the other articles I wrote was from Costa Rica. I used to love Costa Rica because, like, R&R, you know, beaches, and yeah. no one fucking with me. And I, I sent a story back because they, they had a, uh, their paper's called La Nación, uh, they also had a Voice of America there, and they were, which was beaming right into Nicaragua, so they could get all their propaganda on the coast. Could you, could you elaborate on what VOA was? Because Voice of America was, yeah, it was we're a, all pretty young. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a radio, a, a radio uh, station, station right? and but it was pure you know U.S. propaganda. And they, and they were bombarding Nicaragua with anti-Nicaraguan things, and, and uh, El Salvador with you know anti-rebel. Yeah. Messages and stuff. So it was essentially like a radio station that the U.S. would use to input whatever propaganda they wanted to into a country. Because I've heard of it used in Southeast Asia as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All over the world. And I somehow met up with... Oh, I know. I, I met up... Uh, I met someone in New York City, some uh, Costa Rican... Two Costa Rican women who were trying to raise funds for uh, their... Their organization, and, you know, which was anti-war, you know, and trying, they were pro-Nicaraguan stuff. 
and I had, had a lot of literature that I was, that I was going over, and, and so I did send one back, and, and, was, and then I, you know, I found out who was being, you know, the Voice of America is also being funded by certain millionaires in in, uh, in Costa Rica, and I, there's a clear connection, and, and I put that all that in the report, and all over the phone, you know, it's not like I didn't have access to a yeah, record. and so, and then that, you know, I, soon it came out, it came out at some point later, but then I was gone for. I don't know, t- well, two days, two days later, about, I walked back in, it's just a simple little pension. Yeah. And I walked in my room, and there's like two guys in Ray-Bans sitting in there, and they're uh, going, like, uh, going through my stuff. As, it, it, as you were walking in, they're already in there going through <clears> their <throat> shit. Yeah. And, um, so then, of course, they saw this, I had just these folders and brochures for, like, from this group, this leftist group in yeah. Costa Rica, and they're like, what is this? What? I said, I'm a writer, I said, I'm a reporter. So I'm in, you know, I'm in Nicaragua, and that's why it's that's where everyone is. Yeah. And everyone was. I mean, every news outlet had offices there. And then you know they were asking me a lot of questions, and I just gave them no real answers, you know. And then well, where are you going? Like, well, back to Nicaragua. That's where I'm from. Yeah. And, and then they said, uh, "Do you have any 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 bills? You know, like you know, real bills? Because there's a lot of counterfeit going on here." And we could, you know, and I said, that's about, you know, that's not true. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said, you know, you want, you're just going to fucking pocket that money. I know you are, mm-hmm. you know, so, and I, the thing is, they had gone through a like, big duffel bag, and I did yeah. have some cash in there. They didn't find it? They didn't find it. They didn't, you know, go through that thoroughly, so. Yeah. I said, I don't know, all I got is, uh, you know, American Express. Yeah. You know, and I showed that to them, you know. So, yeah, we so, don't want that. Trying to shake you down for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know they were. But anyway, so, Fuck anyways, that kind, of, that kind of freaked me out that they knew that, and they, they were, how did they know, you know? They yeah. were there, they didn't happen up, show up there. They knew I'd sent that report back. Now, I'm a little confused. Were these goons sent by, like, some Central American oh, the, the Ohihota, oligarch? They were, or like, no, they were the, the, the Ohihota, which was like the OIJ, which was like the FBI of, of uh, Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Oh, okay. okay. And they're dressed like they said, the, yeah. the Ray-Bans yeah. bullshit. And, yeah, and Ray-Bans the, are bullshit, I agree. <laughs> uh, we probably got some other tourists yeah we're going to take a quick break just to save the audio I would hate to lose any of this and then we're going to get right back if anybody else use the bathroom but the, what the reporters would tell me is like that's not exactly what I sent in you know oh so uh, even if it would get sent in it'd they'd be, be like edited, heavily edited uh, or they were told like I'm told all I can do all they want me to do is they want, they want to talk about rifts between the church they want to talk about long lines. Well, you know, Jeffrey, if the report comes in, if you want to keep your job and have your family fed, what we can do is uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, manipulate a few things in here, and uh, you'll get your check. We're going to change the headline, change the I'll tell paragraph. you an interesting book. That <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, there's this Bill Gentile uh, was a photojournalist who was down there. Mm-hmm. This guy, and Arturo Robles, who was this Mexican kind of guy, I knew both those guys. But... They, Gentiles just come out with a with a book, with, obviously with photos, but it yeah. has a story to it too. You should read that, and I haven't even read it, but I know it because I knew him and I yeah. knew where he was. I'll and definitely check that out. I remember, I think in New Year's Eve we spent together with with my friend Danielle, and and he had just come back from Panama after the bombing. And, yeah. And, uh, what was the name of this piece of work? For um, the, the author again, Bill Gentile. Bill Gentile. Bill okay. Gentile. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it in the description I do have below. A, that is supposed to come out sometime. I don't know when it's really been, but I and it's not mostly. It's not much about 
those days, but I do have one, two. You, you touch on it a little I bit. I touched one on, on Bill Chilton, Arturo Robles, and a guy who was with them when they got killed in El Salvador on election day. Okay. Jesus. Had, and I watched his tape and stuff. So you're saying that you're putting out a book at some point, Jim? Yeah. That's awesome. It's done. And, but it's, my book is all, it's, it's just a, it's a collection of stuff from 20 years, over 20 years, all stuff that I've published. Yeah. You know, that sounds great. That, that sounds like sound what great. I would want to read, honestly. Yeah. But it's not like I say, if you're thinking it's going to be about Nicaragua, I, that stuff I haven't, I don't know why, it's hard for me to do that, but. Yeah. Well, it's probably so close to heart where yeah. it's like you definitely were down there the longest, right? Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, from the other parts that you were in. Nuts. No, but that's... anyways, that he's got you know those guys were just freaking nuts because they would go like they'd go they they would travel with the Contras, then they'd go up to El Salvador, and they get these pitch battles in San Salvador, and they'd literally be filming and, and every week it was a cover of Newsweek and Time. They each had one yeah. every single week. You're talking about certain American journalists? Yeah, Gentile yeah. and Arturo Robles. Okay. Dang. Arturo Robles, for whatever reason, I don't know why, he knew I was teaching English at that time, and he, and he just, like, no, he knew I was it was in the press department, and he'd come back from the mountains, and he'd, like, just slide under uh, the door. I'd come back, it'd be an envelope of 8 by 10 glossies of just dead soldiers, you know, like, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, what, what is this? Why do I want to see this? Yeah. And I don't know, I never really confronted him about it, but... I think it maybe just thought I should get because I worked technically for it. I mean, I, I worked for yeah. the like I should get it to another reporter or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I never. You should almost it. leak it or something. Like I don't know. I yeah. just don't know. Or maybe he just wanted to share the guilt with me. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe kind of meet you in the. In the but middle. they would do stuff like they'd be filming on one side of the street, and then they dash across the street, the other side of the street, and start filming there. You know, it's just they had the, they got the most incredible pictures and footage. Wow. You can imagine. So I mean, that's why I'm, I haven't gotten the book yet. It just came out about a month ago, but I'm, okay. I'm gonna get it. So yeah, no, I'll definitely get it. And of course, well, all the journalists at that time did stuff like, you know, if you film stuff, you know, that new, they'd only use like thirty seconds of it. You know, yeah. And they pay well for it. The networks would, but right. then they had all this stuff. So they just take so we we yeah. sit around and he's just like, you know, and they'd have somebody from who was you know from, station Lebanon would would send over you know military strikes against Lebanon, and they'd set up the music. Yeah, it became entertainment, and we would just watch. They got creative with their extra. Oh, that's kind of cool. Gentile had all the stuff. He was into death masks, you know, like just dead faces. Jesus, but, man, you know what? I've heard that war reporters have a little like screw loose. Yeah, but that's like one or two. But hearing it from like so a primary source like this is like gripping. You, you know? probably get desensitized. Too. Yeah, I, yeah, saying. I think so. I mean, I was like, hey, this. Great. You probably put it. You probably put the idea yes. that people are dying mm-hmm. away. It's composition. You know, like, yeah. 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 No, he's probably just thinking about it from <laughs> like yeah, a design aspect. The, of that. The, yeah, you know, there were art. I mean, they were like, yeah. I mean, he's a. You know, what they do, they were just, you know, great at, and the, the balls, I can't imagine. You know, yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah quite literally, crazy. he must have been stumbling over his balls as he's running through a war zone. Yeah. yeah. I got, that was one place I got attacked, and I mean, I was I couldn't get flat enough, fast enough, or flat. Yeah, as soon as you heard something, you're like, I'm hitting the fucking floor. Actually, that kind of brings up, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing it, were you in a lot of situations where you dealt with live fire around you? No, only a couple, you know, and the worst was uh, Jalapa, which I brought up, and I decided to go up to Jalapa to see, that was the one, it was called the Revolutionary Heroic Town of Jalapa, and they were the ones that were right on the border in the peninsula, were always getting attacked, and I thought it would be cool, let's just see what uh, New Year's like there. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's see what's going on over here. Were, uh, were they bordering other countries as well, or just the ocean? Just, just, no, they were just they had, they're like in the peninsula of Honduran or of, uh, Nicaraguan land that went into Honduras. So Honduras surrounded. Okay. Okay. They were, okay. That and that's sense. where other encampments were, and so they attacked while I was there, and it was just like amazing, like uh, just well the, the noise and the the sky was just filled with tracer bullets. It was kind of pretty, you know. I mean, uh, I, you know, I felt like a guy in the apocalypse now. Yeah. yeah, you know the surfer dude who's doing acid, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, they're at the bridge, you know, and, yeah. and everything's going. And he's like, oh, yeah. and this is it. Yeah, I'm sure someone that's, that's kind of what it felt like, but I didn't, right. I didn't even feel like frightened that much at that time. I was so, I fresh and you know, and... I, I just the adrenaline was so high. Right. When I left, I felt kind of frightened because then the next day, you let things register. You sit on. The yeah, and I woke up in the morning. There's. Thoop, you know, mortars are going off. And, oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah more than So I could stay or I could go, and I just said, you know, there's no buses running, of course. Yeah. The next town was Ocatal. And so I got on the back of a truck, and um, we took off. And then it's like, you know, there's all these, you know, villages there, but they're all, you know, covered, hunkered yeah. down. And like, I'm standing up at the front because I'm thinking, I want to see what other motherfuckers are going to waste me. I don't, I don't yeah. care. I want to, I just feel like I need Might as well see it. Yeah. And you go through these areas that are just. You know, 15 feet bluffs, and there's no, and it's just a two-lane road. It's just yeah. perfect for ambushes. Like, yeah. You just sit there and pick you off. And, right. uh, you feel very exposed. And yeah, and we stopped, and there were people collecting money for people who had been killed, you know, right. hour, hours preceding for their families. And, and that's the first time I ever smelled, like, I think, the fear of stink. Yeah. You know, like, I smelled like, what this fucking, what the fuck is that, you know? And then yeah. I realized it was me. <laughs> that's, that's me the whole time. My God, my dad, what the hell? Man, it smells everywhere. Oh snap! Is that me? <laughs> what, what chemistry goes on in your body when you're under duress? But Jesus. Yeah, no, that's crazy. But wow. I was when I got out of there and I got to Ocotal and then I was, I don't know, I got picked up by military transport. Yeah. And those things, these EFAs are called. I don't know what it even stands for. They're made, German made. Yeah. But they're troop carriers, and in the middle there's a big uh, opening. Which I could figure out what that was for. And then, it, oh, that's the fucking escape. Once they open fire on you, you dive in oh, there and like, you have shit. a chance. Yeah. And they just, you know, they hand me an AK 47. Thumbs up, get out there. Yeah, yeah like, you're out of here. How was that trip back? Like when you were like, all right, I'm, I'm going back to the US. I can't do this anymore. Um, what was the mode of transport? Like you just went to an airport and. Oh, yeah, Managua was, you know, pretty. Pretty normal, and, I mean, normal. I mean, other than military around and stuff, mm -hmm. but, you know, a lot of poverty because it's a city meant for five hundred thousand and had a million because everyone came in from the countryside. Yeah. Think about Nicaragua; it's it's the same size in, as Wisconsin. Yeah, it's, yeah. And same population, more or less. Right, you know? three million. You know, so imagine that you know. All the countryside, everybody moved into yeah, Milwaukee yeah. or Madison. Yeah. Or and then you know, so that we had water was rationed two days, two days a week, and everything was rationed even yeah. more. So there's. Oh, and, it, and if you came in to, to, if you flew in there, you had to pay, there was different exchange rates. So the official rate was uh, 10 quarters to a dollar. And so a, a taxi drive would, to Managua, because it was on the outside, yeah. would cost you 60 quarters. So that's like 60 bucks, you know. God damn. So I tell people, just think of it, it's like an entrance fee. You know? <laughs> it's a cover charge to get yeah. in there. Because after that, everyone did the black market, which is 100 to 1. Jesus. Wow. Which you weren't supposed to do, but it was yeah. to survive. I'm sure it must have been kind of weird when you came back and you were, you know. I'd come back 
once or twice earned some money like bartending in the summer. Yeah. And I just hated it. Fucking hated it. <laughs> People's bar tabs were more than an annual salary for most people. Yes. You know? And plus, that's fact nice. that people are clueless. Right. Which is where we met you, is, is all working together. Yeah. Yeah. At a bar slash restaurant. But I couldn't wait. I counted the days till I left there. And then I go back and I felt like I was home. And I'd get back and there'd that's be the horse drawn carts and stuff. Yeah. And, and then after that incident in, in uh, Jalapa, I, things just changed for me because my perception of life did. And yeah. I changed. And I knew I'd never be the same. You know, right. So. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm assuming when you came back, you're like, all right, well, maybe bartending isn't that bad. <laughs> Maybe it's well. I can like I say, my my I wanted my main goal was to get my son up. Yeah, get him out of there. And his his family agreed. His mom said, "Yeah, that's cool." And he wanted to come up. He's only five. Yeah, but he was bright. You know, he's really bright, especially with math. I don't know how he got that, but which serves him to this day. But yeah, um, I could tell him like how many how many quarters am I gonna get for this amount of money? Yeah, 60, 65 Like you're five years old. How the fuck you know that? Yeah. He was just Jeez. able to get to it right away. But, yeah, he, but he was unusually bright, so they agreed, like, let's get him out. What, what, what would he have done? He would have become the leader of a gang or something, I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, now he's a pharmacist. Oh, nice. Well, he did well. Jim Jr. Jim Jr. did well, after all. Um, I, I had a question, Jim. Um, when you first arrived to Nicaragua, could you walk us through your decision to, like, leave the country? Was there some sort of political event that became your epiphany that was the light that made you go, I'm going? There's a bunch. You know, like I say, I work for uh, this group called C-Space. That's, it's called the Committee in Solidarity with the People of El Salvador. And that became my center life and then my, my uh, social life as well. We this was all, in New York? This was in New York University? City, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so we were kind of the ones we'd, you know, organize the national demonstrations and watch. So I played a part in that, but... Is that how you learned the language? Uh, no, it wasn't until I really got down there. Okay. I mean, I had traveled in, in like I say, Peru for several months. I picked up some there, and I, I, I took a class here and there when I could. Learned how to conjugate a freaking verb, and I had yeah. you know, all that stuff. But it wasn't until I was actually down there and, and just speaking it there. Yeah, that actually made sense. So your connections with, with the Salvadorian refugee organization? Right, well, then, so, yeah. Well, in, in one thing, we'd go out, we did stuff we'd, we call wheat pacing. You know, you take uh, posters and slap them on boards and stuff, and, mm -hmm. you know, for our, our fundraisers and stuff like that. Um, we, we had things going on, and, and then uh, and we, office got broken into a couple of times, and, you know, there's no money ever taken, but, yeah. but uh, lists were, you know. So. It's probably the FBI. Oh, fuck it, yeah. Yeah. That's literally what they did to the Black Panthers and shit. Yeah. yeah. So, I know that, but what I got tired of is the meetings, you know, and the, oh, God, just the end of the, like to say, the political correctness. Yeah. Like, what do you mean no more Vietnam? Well, you, know, you know, you don't want to say that, you know, and. We want to say, like, how about no more Vietnam Wars? Because that, you know, like, all right, I don't care. Fuck. That's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. just fucking fine. Let's do this. Right. And <laughs> I just, it was just like, you know, after a couple of years of that, I just, you know, fuck it. Yeah. I'm going down there. I don't care, you know. And Let's go see this shit. Yeah. From in person. And then I got into it pretty quickly once I got down there. You know? Yeah. And I, I went to. Uh, yeah, uh, walk us down there like your first week. Yeah, well, I went to Costa Rica first. Cause I, I had a, a, a state of class, and the teacher was Coast, Costa Rican. And then there was another one who was from Argentina. And uh, matter of fact, he's the one who told me, like, All right, by the way, before you leave, I'll leave the next day. I, I, they don't use uh, 
Ustad down there. You know? Or no, they, they don't use two. Oh, Vos. They, so, they use Vos. Vos. So he said, so he wants to say Vos Geras. And he put the emphasis there. And he went down like five verses. Oh, fuck me, Dad. He don't like, yeah. Whatever, you know. <laughs> So now all of a sudden, all the Spanish you knew. Was... But I picked it up and I went down there and, and I'd stay with friends of my teachers. And so they were all in the theater and stuff. Really? They were kind yeah. of liberal. And I like that word. They got me accl- acclimated and then uh, I, I took a bus to Guanagua, you know, from Costa Rica. And on the way there, I remember I had like a guy came and he said, You want to change some money? And I said, like, Yeah, I don't. It was like, I said, What am I going to do? I don't, no money. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't have any Cordobas. It's like, you know, sunsetting and like there's no banks and I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. We pulled him, their station was kind of in the middle of the neighborhood. And so I gave him 20 bucks and he gave me back like 2,000 Cordobas. And I'm thinking like, I'm supposed to get back like 200 Cordobas. Yeah. And that's convinced this motherfucker ripped me off. <laughs> you know, so I was really rude to him. <laughs> yeah. Hi, <laughs> see, see it. Like, you know, so I left. And then there were all these hospedajes around and pensions. And so I just, there. And then there was a, one place, a Commodore called Commodore Sara. Which I kind of peeked my head into, and that's why I started taking meals. But it turns out that's where there are a lot of foreigners start collecting there, and that's where I met my friend Danielle and yeah. all these guys. And Interesting. And that's why I made those connections. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we definitely have a lot of questions, and then we'll kind of kind of yeah, breeze we'll through them and jump around a little yeah. bit, pepper you a little um, bit. I have a couple of questions regarding today's media. Um, what are some of the similarities you've seen in media with the American trying to overthrow the Nicaraguan government and that propaganda to what you saw happen on January 6th? Do you see similarities? No. I, no. No, not really. I can't. No. Well, I, I suppose somebody could point them out to me. I go, oh, I suppose. You know, right. I mean, uh, yeah, if you kind of look. But I wanted to get your opinion from, like, you know, because I, I mean, I watched the whole thing. And, I mean, I just watched it on TV. I was like, I mean, I yeah. couldn't believe it. I was like stunned. Right, because they were using Facebook as their main platform as of news and or, organization and. Yeah, and so. see, I didn't. You know, on my Facebook, I didn't wasn't. I mean, I right. probably had people who were. But, I, I guess it's more algorithm focused. Where if yeah. you don't have friends like that, then you're not going to see it. Where, you know, media and news back in the day was like six channels. So, you it was what you saw. There mm-hmm. was nothing. No more options. Um. Going back to Facebook, obviously it's a big, big platform that people use where they, it's the number one source for news now. Do you think something like that can be used for good or do you think it's already gone past the point and it's now just mainly used for not necessarily propaganda but misinformation? I think it's yeah, mainly misinformation. Like, you know, I, I, I can't imagine getting my news off of Facebook. I mean, I read well, the stuff. You know. If you knew my friends who had a high school education, I <laughs> well, think I you would think twice about it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I mean, I, and I realize that's, right. that's the problem. That's because, all it is, yeah. You know, I mean, and then once, you know, once I jump in or just, a, you know, just, you know, at some walls, I mean, I have one guy, he just, he friends everyone he meets. Yeah. And he's really conservative. He's a Trumpist, but he's, you know, he's educated and right. he's, you know, but he just follows that line and, and, and I just watch people take a beating on there, you know, like they, you know, <laughs> so like, you know, that's not true. And yeah. like, shut up, you fucking libtard. You know, like, like there's 20 responses, you know, and <laughs> it is true, you know, and it's not, you know, so once in a while I would just fuck with people. I would put a comment in the air and, yeah. and I'll watch them go off on me. And, 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 
I'm gonna, I'm or I'd, or I'd put a, I'd, I'd cut and paste like a, a worthy article yeah. maybe from New York Times that you know lays right. it out why that's just false. Right. And no. then this fucker would he would delete it. Oh, of course, yeah. of course, delete it. Yeah. What a, I'll bleep his name out, but um, uh, Falcone, what's his last? Name? <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, <man. laughs> that guy is the worst. Falcone, dude, yeah. he is the worst. How do you guys? How do you? We he shows up on like every local page, yeah. like the local Lake Geneva regional news. Uh, I, I'm on like again. Let's not say his name. I'll bleep out the one time I said it. Let's I'm not on, say anything more about him. There was a few times it was. I was gonna say I followed like this like local Walworth page because yeah. I think it's like a Walworth small news. business or yeah. something like yeah. that. Oh, that just yeah. to like, I don't know. What if there's like some restaurant that's good and I want to go like something yeah, like that, right? That's not what's and that's how it's. <laughs> he's always on there. Oh, we need more conservatives on school boards. Critical race theory. They're like teaching our kids to be transgenders. Oh my yeah, God. it's a yeah. bunch of a bunch of dumbass shit. Is is it that guy? <laughs> yeah. Who's <laughs> luckily he's not on there much anymore because he's constantly yeah, in, people in just Facebook jail. Right, and that's what I find so interesting oh, about God. these people. I haven't noticed him anymore. No, yet. is that I again? I did a fucking. I went down a QAnon black hole in the last like seventy six hours. Like, I did a bunch of research on white supremacists and QAnon and what how they think. One thing they have in common is that they get kicked off these social medias so quickly. They'll have to create like three or four accounts and then after a while their name just gets flagged and their email gets flagged so then they're just getting shut down entirely. Was it last thing you went to see uh, JFK reemerge in uh, yes. New Orleans? or Yes. And, and, yeah. and they were disappointed when he didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to actually No break. shit yeah. because he was shot in the head. <laughs> oh, JFK Jr. with a oh, plane uh, crash. Oh, Because oh. <laughs> that was faked of course. Yeah. He's just been, you know, but he right. was a super liberal guy. You know, was like, what? Think Why would they, they want? It's Whatever. because he's going to expose Nancy Pelosi as a baby eater. Yeah. That's that's what all these people believe in. I was going to ask you, Jim. Why? As I was growing up, I felt that like the quality of um, conspiracy theories was much higher. Yeah. In my opinion, like I heard things like the CIA is spreading LSD, yeah. or like Some the CIA ones. spread crack in in black communities, which I'm finding out today was true. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so all those uh, conspiracy theories from before were like, like way cooler than now yeah. it's like it's all the which and, and now it's like thing. the lamest thing which is that ex- like the pandemic and it's so bizarre to me that these people that believe in crystals and who two years ago were just all about like the earth is the earth is maybe the moon landing's not real look into it but now they're all like super conservative trumpies who like are like don't believe in the vaccine who just like don't believe in in anything that's like somewhat scientific and it's like nah man like uh the emergence of the messiah is coming and jesus christ is going to come and take all you democrats away because all you do is kill babies and eat babies and it's like where the fuck did this all come from like and that's what the big conspiracy all is now like all these like super super uber conservative uh republicans like and it, it i feel like a majority of that of the vocal few isn't necessarily people who are into politics. It's people who are into conspiracies. Yeah. Right. It's no Maybe. longer like political research. It's like, it's just people who fucking believe. Yeah. In it's it's yeah. essentially become like a fan fiction. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're like a fan fiction community 
and they're just kind of creating the next episode and absorbing like whatever events happen they're making it work with their pre like whatever views they had of the world beforehand including like christian fundamentalists you know i mean they're just yeah. they're feeding right into it they're all on board like whatever the yeah what he said yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, and they'll be like, "Hey, you know Tom Hanks?" And you're like, "Yeah, the voice of Woody." They're like, "Well, guess what? Yeah. He's eating children, and that's why he looks so young." You're like, "Have you seen a recent picture of him? He looks he's kind not of old. Kind of looks like shit." He's aging like all of us. But yeah, yeah no, he ate him, but he drank their blood. You know, like, yeah, they're the taking part. placenta from. Yeah, it's all fucked up. Um, so <laughs> so I guess with that, like, would you say when did you notice that difference, Jim? If you noticed it, did did it kind of happen overnight? Well, I mean, even on there, I, I knew it was, it was bullshit because of, of what the reports I was seeing, too. They were also talking about, oh, well, you know, people are really brainwashed, and, and they, 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 like, they have to, like, sing in front of the Sandinista flag, and I'm going, like, dude, I, fuck, I did that my whole grade school. We, we started every morning with, it's a grand old flag, yeah. you know? And well, what's the big deal, you know? It's, right, yeah, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, or, or there's, there's neighbors spying on neighbors. I mean, I participated in my own neighborhood watch, you know, mm -hmm. we do it once a month and people would come by and, and I said I come home and there's like signs of neighborhood watch we're yeah. doing it here you know yeah, like, what, there what? was there's one on the drive-in yeah it makes kind of sense like yeah. so just neighbors like, looking after you know, their neighborhood but down there no that's like you know or or they're they're uh, they're censoring journalists and then I had just one my roommate was this guy named Antonio who's working on his book supposedly and he was a cartoonist yeah. and he worked for this thing called Semana Comica which was the was, weekly cartoon. Yeah, but they said uh, uh, they build it as a collection of Marxist humor. Just, uh, just fucking around. Anyway. Yeah. No, like, sounds funny. And so know. at one point, they uh, for International Women's Day, they they printed a picture of a, a woman like masturbating. Yeah. And well, in the government, they shut them down. So you can't. That's like, come on. That's you know? too far. That's, so that's. Too much sexual liberation for Central American communities. Yeah. Right so there, that I don't, there were three, uh, <laughs> three daily newspapers. Uh, It'd be the same in Mexico. La Prensa, which was they're all owned by Chamorros. Yeah. Same family. And Barricada and and uh, was was Sanista. La Prensa was anti-Sanista. Yeah. Like, what is it like to have dinner at their house? You know, I mean. Right. Everybody's just got a different fucking point of view. But so, it. but I mean, so I wear like all this. I mean, even then, people, the media was full of shit, you know. Yeah. And, and by even what journalists had told me, like I didn't write that. Yeah. You know? What were some of the conspiracy theories that were popularized back then? Like, down there, like the, in there, the eighties, nineties, the, the, the it could be in Nicaragua or it could be in the U.S. The one thing I remember too, the Catholic Monitor, uh, published this piece, and again, this is where it goes back to where Phil Beji said, "This is what we do. Yeah. We put our, you know." their name on it we we put the story in yeah the story first of all was filled with the characters they met i said I, these people are all dead <laughs> first of all hey yeah. they're all dead these are like so these are all extending to heroes or they i mean the phone sake is in there like what yeah. the hell yeah. and they talked about concentration camps on the atlantic coast you know for mosquito indians which is like i've been to mosquito atlantic coast a couple times it's hard to get there. You know, you take like a five-hour bus ride and yeah. it's like a four-hour trip up river. Did you say, I'm sorry, mosquito Indian? Mosquito. Or okay. I don't know how you, it's not like the insect is right. spelled differently. Okay. Yeah. But they had a real beef with the Sandinistas because there so there's no road that goes to the Atlantic coast. Yeah. And so when the Sandinistas came in, they kind of marched into Bluefields, which is a town of about 30,000 people. You can only get there by river or airplane. 
and uh, they kind of marched in there and said, like, you're liberated, you know, and and they're like, yeah, like, from what? <laughs> you know, like, you know, we barely like, had contact with any of you. Yeah, you know, and they said, you know, from now on, we're going to do this, and they're like, well, fuck you, that's not what we do, you know, yeah. we're, we're fishermen, or, you know, we're doing it, you know, so this kind of good they clashed, that. and yeah. they became, a lot of them became Catras, oh, okay. so they were organized quickly. Jeez, that's really interesting. Um, let's see. There's so there's so much that I you know it's it's, it's difficult to, to choose one. I have one, uh, Jim. What political issues or maybe political forces do you feel are important but not talked about today in modern America? Like issues that aren't talked about. Yeah, for example. I believe, like, and this is my, my personal opinion, that, like, money in politics is a very unsexy issue, um, but for us as Americans, we barely talk about the fact that our senators get money from big pharma, big oil, oh, that, like, and donations like that, we just think, of, we just absorb that as normal, like, yeah. it's okay for J- Joe Manchin to receive a shit ton of money from the coal industry, the oh, it's horrible. Like, large oil and block climate efforts. And that's just seen as normal, like no, like I mean, the American media barely even touches on. It's that. It's why we don't really live in a in a true democracy. Yeah, we no. don't we don't have access to the truth, and we don't have access to the truth because of just what you said. I mean, politicians are elect they're bought. Yeah, they're elected with campaign money and, yeah. and what to put you know, it's and whatever lies they want to put out there. Um, that's what gets them in office. Then they can pass legislation to you know. Protect lower taxes or whatever, you know, or whatever they want to do, or, or to impose their will on schools, or to cut money funding for education. Uh, you know, they don't want health care, all that stuff. They, yeah. and, they've, and they've built it in, in, into the argument: this is all socialism. Right. And nobody knows what the fuck socialism really is. Anyway, so who reads this? Oh, it's socialist. Yeah. What? Assembly. What? What was that in you? Well, it's it's not good. Well, it's just you, people don't want to work. They want handouts. Like, yeah. You know, it's like we're out working 56 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working three fucking jobs. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's ridiculous. And then now people are complaining that they can't find help. You know, it, it's back in the time when you could find all the help you want. It was hard to get a job because they wanted to pay, only pay you minimum wage. They wanted they want your hours. more. They, they wanted your hours cut so you would never, ever get overtime. Yeah. yeah. So, in, in there, so they had, all they had was staffs of part-time people. Well, part-time is not enough to make a living and raise a family. So you, you go to, you know, I worked two jobs for 14 years. I mean, everyone worked two, three jobs. I think you know, every, now they're I fucking complaining. The three like, of us all work two jobs. They've created yeah. this, this thing, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, could you actually uh, elaborate on, like, the state of the economy and how you saw it change from you growing up in the 80s and early 90s yeah, to, to now back you know when i was growing up i mean it was pretty much uh, there was one the father worked mm-hmm. the mother was at home my mother worked part-time you know we had three kids so she you know what she did but that's still extra money but it was always yeah. part-time and that's you know that's just the way it was and then all the the advancements like uh my mother loved you know like uh tv dinners mm-hmm. Uh, all that fake stuff that's going. She was Fans. first. She was first on board with that, man. I mean, I grew up on Campbell's and, mm-hmm. and, and just crap. You know, it, and I did it, it was. I, seen, was in, I was in college when I when I had. I was in line. I remember at the cafeteria, and I said, w- "What's that?" And they said, "It's spaghetti." 
Fucking yeah, spaghetti. Spaghetti's like orange. Yeah. You know, and it was like a plate of spaghetti with a little red, I guess it was sauce. So that's the actual not, what the fuck is that, idea. you know? No, my mom was Chef Boyardee, a big can, like, you know, oh, <laughs> in the pan, yeah. maybe a couple onions in there. Good and stuff. and I liked it, you know. That's you I mean, that's engineered to get us to like it, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Soup was always canned. My mother had a pressure cooker. I never knew what meat we had because it was all gray. It all looked the same. <laughs> Seriously, it did. It, was just, it just, I don't, you know, it fell off the bone and whatever. It reminded me, I had a friend in, when I went, first went to New York City, he was a, by the time he was in dental school, and he said, let's go to my lab. And we went there, and it was like this huge, freaking, you know, it's like the size, size of Walmart, and there was nothing but gurneys and cadavers. Size of Walmart? Well, no. So, okay, okay. Big. Yeah, but a big, huge yeah. place. That's mm -hmm. big, you know. And he'd, we'd, he'd say, oh, I'll show you my body. And I'm like, oh, fuck, right? okay. And he'd go, look at this one. And he'd pull out, look at, that, look, at, look at the gold teeth in this one. Look at this one. You know, and he went, but like, his, like, pulls out the, look, I took this out myself, the heart. Like, you know? Oh, I, my like, goodness. But what I remember then is, like, geez, it looks like everything I ever ate growing up, you know, because it was the same color. All gray. You know, it was gray, and you don't know what it was. Sad. <laughs> There's no, no life in it at all. You know, it was just, like, Jesus. shit. <laughs> and as were these cadavers, they're all oh, cadavers. Jeez, but yeah, go, going back to the but, economy of today. Yeah, though. Before we move on from your family back then, Jim, you were talking about how your mom had a part-time job. How much would you say that your dad worked? Like, would you say he worked like a standard forty, fifty hours, yeah, or more like yeah. sixty, seventy? Like he, some he worked in for an uh, insurance day? company. I mean, he got out. You know, after the war, you know, he's a vet, World War II. Um, we, they, because they're all from Chicago, my brothers are there, and they moved up to get an opportunity to go into a job with another insurance company up in Wisconsin. That's where I was born. And he worked for, I think, Glen Falls Insurance or something for like 24 years. And then one day he got fired, like like the first downsize. And he okay. and just kind of came home like, I don't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> and so he started drinking again, which, you know, that's a great. But he, he found work. He wasn't paid, but he, he bounced around insurance and stuff. And then we always had one place we came to in Williams Bay, a friend of his, that because he, was a, cause he sold, he was an insurance broker, I guess, whatever. Yeah. And we always came up to Williams Bay and stayed at the Spruces. And they would always go out sailing on their boat, and you know, it was great. And so anyways, he asked them to come into business with them, and so we moved here. And then they, you know, had a nice business going, and... Built it up and you know things were good. Yeah. And then they got bought out by Keith. And I remember, uh, well, that, but yeah, it wasn't happy. So he then he basically retired. Yeah. You know, he was sixty-eight at the time. Oh. No, he, no, he's sixty-five at the time, but he died when he was sixty-eight. Oh. Because that's what you did. You worked your whole life. And you died. You died within three years after you retired. Yeah, because you just stopped working. So I'm like the clock man. Like. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that, Jim. No, geez, you're gonna outlive all of us. Yeah. Um, I've outlived him, so that's. But then he smoked three packs a day too. So. Damn, we should, I had two cigarettes this weekend. Did you? Yeah, to the fucking filter. That's the most cigarettes I've had in the last ten years. What a few. No, I was feeling good. I was, I was drinking some White Claw Surge, so I was... You guys a fan of smoking cigars at all? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not either, but, like, sometimes nice. just, like, a celebratory cigar, it, yeah. just, it just hits the right way. Uh, yeah. I guess, uh, 
to to bring it back to today um do you have any questions for us us in the room i know we've, we've asked you a lot do you have any questions about three uh Quarter, I, yeah. quarter life crisis. I, I, we talked a little bit. I, I started asking, like, well, how did you guys come up with this idea? Yeah. What made you do it? And, uh, I suppose just sitting around drinking. Yeah, during the, the genesis of it. Yeah, so we. Jorge or Luis? Yeah, the, the director of the, the show is actually uh, the quietest one in the room who keeps checking his phone, is uh, the one to your left over there. <laughs> was the antithesis of uh, getting this organized. Yeah, give us that story. Yeah, no, it okay. was, it was yeah give a, us that story, Jorge. Just a, just a fun thing for us all to do. Um, you know, we, we don't hang out all the time, all three of us together, but it felt like it'd be, a in the beginning, like a good excuse for us just to get around. We all like drinking wine and talking about stuff, and when we were together, we'd always get in really intense, like, conversations where we're like the three guys in the corner of the room just, like, arguing about stuff and talking about stuff, and then everyone else is kind of just looking at us like, what are these guys even doing? What are they talking about? And we just figured, like, it'd be a really cool thing for us to just get together weekly and, like discuss stuff that we're, that we're all interested in. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a very cool thing when I heard about it when we first, you know, yeah. when we first saw it. That's a cool idea. Yeah, and all three of us really like food and wine and, and politics. and. But here's another question I have for you is Latinos. As Latinos. Drop it, baby. Yeah. What is up with Trump followers that are Latinos? You, guys you got one to your left again. Oh, he's a big Trumpy. He's a big Trumpy. He's exaggerating. Right before you got here, he was like, man, my biggest regret in life is he, not, he was like hurrying to take white. his MAGA cap off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, you think I should leave it on or should I? I'm like, hey, man, it's up to you. That, that, is, that is not true. That is 100% true. true. I'm just like, I'm not the biggest politic guy in general, to be quite honest with you. That's more of like a Juan and more Juan thing for sure <laughs> out of all three of us and Luis a little bit more than me I'm not yeah. in politics but. during during the 2020 election he, he actually wrote other and then wrote Donald Trump but in caps <laughs> like you really want to get a statement at least like no it's they're not doing his name justice they, you know it's gotta no, be but I, I will say it's gotta be in all caps I will yeah. say something something I don't know about your guys' family but with mm -hmm. my family it's very split like I'd say half of my family we are we're Salvadorian and my mom's side is, is Mexican I'd say half were voting for Trump and half were voting for Biden. Did that split up amongst any like they didn't talk, lines? No, they didn't or... tell each other who they were voting for because that's like besides okay. family. They've been up here for a while. I think. Let me. Yeah, I'm like my my mom was basically born here. Mm -hmm. My dad moved here from El Salvador. Okay. So, I, mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, it's like it's I think a little different. I, yeah. yeah, you see a lot of Latinos because. Well, number one, I think it's the lack of education. I think a lot of yeah. people our age, um, there's there's now, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, colleges have less and less admissions year after year. And this last year, it actually went down by 10%, which is fucking significant across the country. Um, so I think that is uh, probably the number one of just like, you kind of just go with what you're told. And again, Facebook being the number one platform, and so when you're getting fed you, this clickbait articles where it's like Biden is killing babies. And so you're like, well, I don't want that guy. Mm -hmm. And that's the other big thing, too, is uh, I think Latinos uh, in America, I think over 60 percent identify. I think it's like 65 percent of the population that identifies as a Roman Catholic. But yeah, in, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, that in Mexico and entirety of Central America, I think it's like ninety percent. Yeah, there's a lot of, of Catholic centric um, voters. Yeah, and Trump and, was um, to quickly cut you off. Trump was like, he really got a big following from uh, religion. Like he targeted the religion community, 
and he was uh i mean he's already going towards the republican party but he like even more pushed the anti-abortion and all that right so you know the the which mexicans are really like against abortion because you know again grew up religious and whatnot that'll scare people for sure yeah i had one guy tell me who who would work at the kitchen and he was mexican and i think he was i don't think he was born here i assumed he wasn't but he said something to me when i first realized there were actually that i just take it for granted that you know you know but he said he said why he thought that people who were coming in the country this day had too easy Mm -hmm. you know they had to like struggle when they got here you know, and it's all it's like, it's yeah. like I'm thinking, what do you care? Like yeah, I would be, who the be fuck great. cares? Yeah, that's the point. It's like uh, the other big thing no, too is want to get in for free. I don't know. Yeah. I was gonna say I've noticed that mentality in Latinos. Like there's like a crab in a bucket mentality, and I've noticed that like with like wage issues as well. Like some sometimes like you have one Latino that makes has like a somewhat decent like mid level career. Like maybe they have a and, decent sales and that, sales that mid-level career could be like selling cars at like a local dealership that other guys work at, not being specific at all by any means. But yeah, they'll you know the moment they start making a little bit of money, they're like, you know, they get sold this lie of like Biden's gonna raise taxes and it's the like, minimum wage should yeah, be five dollars on the billionaires, you dumbass. Yeah. Like on the multi, like they're not taking your money. Yeah. Like you're eating fucking, you're picking up. Uh, a fucking pizza, pizza on the way home from Little Caesars. Like you're, you're not, you're not gonna touch. You're not right. the demographic, yeah. you're right? Gonna they don't give a fuck about your money. Yeah. They already got what they want out of you. Yeah. But yeah, they get sold this lie, and that's the other big thing is that now that you know us three are second and in first generation. Because here's the the difference I've noticed too over the years in the business in the hotel and restaurant business. Yeah, is back in the day. I mean, Mexicans only were worked in the kitchen and they were not own, anymore, baby. only bus people you know <laughs> yeah and they were hard workers they're great workers not and anymore no and then they and i was i translated for all of them yeah you know they always called me in the kitchen you know yeah <laughs> do you know ray j yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love ray <laughs> one day i was out there and, and, and this is like so i noticed like well now you know you're you guys are working and yeah it's like, it's just and like, we all you speak know, spanish yeah, yeah. you're right sure so it's like you know that time is i just realized man that's that was Time, time is gone. Yeah, it's good. That's that's and then pretty one, interesting. And then uh, one time somebody came and said, "Is there anybody out here who speaks Spanish?" And I, and so I says, "Well, Jim does." Yeah, Jim does a little bit. And he says, "Because uh, Ray J needs a translator." And, like, and we all. Go, and by the way, he's he's first generation as well. Like he was born here, but his parents are Mexican. And, and he's such a Mexican hoodlum, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Dude, he has that like Snoop Dogg vibe. So, you know, I love Ray J too. You know, so yeah. like, I said, all right, I'll go in. You know, and, and so like everyone followed me in there, and Brent, like, I gotta see this. Yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta see a white guy translate for a Mexican. And your you Spanish know? is very good, by the way. Oh, thanks, but forgot a lot about it. But anyway, so that <laughs> that was the only time I've been called upon to. to yeah, did you? In, in recent years, I used yeah. to be. I was always the go-to guy. I yeah. To read them handbooks. I had to do this. That's so funny. Jim, um, I have a few questions that I like want to pepper you with before. We yeah, get to too much wrap into this anything else. Um, one, do you have a favorite wine varietal or region? Yeah, no. Um, I you know I prefer red wines. I prefer big, heavy red wines. Um, I'm getting a little bit disillusioned with Napa, to be honest with you. There's a lot of good, heavy red wines out there 
from other know, parts of the world chile argentina yeah, I love, italy i love those you know so literally the exact yeah i mean is my preferred list. yeah so and then yeah and then but i mean i i, I like to pair with food so whatever we're having dinner i'll, I'll bring a wine that, that'll pair with it so yeah. a lot more in the summer i like sonia blancs chardonnays i only do bordeaux white white burgundies white burgundies because there's no no oak in them i just yeah just the butteriness okay all right let's do two more quick fire uh did you see a figure like trump coming no 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 i couldn't believe it you know and even i mean we're watching the elections and so like because i feel like in my opinion lefties have like a more realistic view of america Mm -hmm. and even you with through that lens you you didn't really see it coming. No, when he announces candidacy, I, I just like laughed up and this guy just put a fucking nail in his own coffin. Right. Yeah. Hell, no one's gonna vote. You know, it's just like really. He proved us wrong. And it just kept building. Like, I know, and he voted for him twice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he got he got two votes. But what, what amazed me Dang. is Trump saw it. Yeah. He knew it. What a vision. Yeah, he How did. did. You know, and when he he would have sensed it. He read the room. He literally read the <laughs> right. room. He said, I could go on Fifth Avenue and I could shoot someone. And, and get away with it. And he really right. said that. He, he said really that. did say that. That is not something yeah. that... The crazy yes. thing is that he's drinking Diet Coke. His diet is like Diet Coke and Diet Coke only. So there must be something in there for him to manifest his future. Okay, now... All right, last question. Possibly last question. Make it good. How did you meet the mother of your son in Nicaragua? Well, we met in a restaurant. Beautiful. That's all we need in our restaurant. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Um, with that being said, thank you so much for for coming out here. Oh, I enjoy it. You know, it was, it was great to have you. We've we've got a, obviously a lot of questions, but yeah. maybe, you know, definitely bring you in the future. If you know, I was gonna say, like, I I feel like we definitely need to bring you again because we didn't even we didn't touch get on to t- ask you on like your your European trips, and yeah. I feel like there's probably some interesting stories there. We could probably well. do another like yeah. three or four of just. Yeah, getting we, into your yeah. your backstory. So no, we'll definitely have you again in the future. Two hundred downloads. We bring Jim back. Yes. Yeah. Two hundred downloads. Download this episode. <laughs> Share this episode. Yeah. Uh, no. With that being said, uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook page. Um, and you know we'll be posting up some discussions regarding each weekly topic on on Facebook. We'll be posting up small clips on Instagram. And yeah, download us on Spotify, YouTube, and. Google Podcast and iTunes Podcast. So we're now. That's right. And follow Luis's Finsta too. Yeah, follow my Finsta where I post pictures of just my feet. Make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you share our, our episodes with your friends so they can tell what kind of third rate podcast you listen to. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, closing statements. Let's go around the horn. Uh, start with Jay. Start with you. Start with me. Uh, my closing statement is go out there and vote for Donald Trump a third time. Let's let's get him re reelected. <laughs> uh, Jim, uh, closing statement. Um, I didn't really have. You well, told me to, like think about it. And so, so if I was going to promote a local business, I'd yes. say yeah. Uh, Chad, I don't know if you you guys were there. Yes, with Chad. yes. Chad Bisger. Chad Bisger. Pastries by Chad. Pastries by Chad. He's like an artist. I mean, yes. He's a great chef, but he's always been a you know master baker and now he's doing on his own his heart's good chasing master, the dream yo. He's a master he, you know, he chasing for, the american dream he's finally ended up i think they finally gave him an oven at um turtle creek pub and grill okay interesting he called me up and asked me if I'm chad's work looks awesome yeah, I mean, i've yeah. run into it on facebook just locally because it comes across my mm-hmm. feed 
and it looks incredibly impressive. Like we've had him like for wine dinners yeah. and stuff. He'd always come mm-hmm. on. You're like, how's how's this stuff? You're like, oh, okay. okay. He was hard to pick wines for because I pick a wine and he would like come out with some weird like sauce or thing different. You're like, what? The, they, I'm gonna go pair that. I can't. <laughs> you know, like I know I said this at first, but I wouldn't. I can't. You know. Yeah, this is awful. So we gotta amend this. You know, and, <laughs> and I say uh, taste this. And, yeah. All right. We'll promote his. Uh, yeah, we'll promote his uh, bakery in the description. Yeah. Uh, Juan. I just would say, for all of our, we, you know, we come from a small town, a rural area, an area that seems to be a fan of Ronald Reagan, and I just want to say, after the things we learned today, let's just, you know, quote, run the jewels, killer Mike, and say, fuck Ronald Reagan, fuck Ollie North, he's got his middle fingers up to H. W. Bush. Fuck all those people. Fuck trickle down economics. economics. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Fuck like, neoliberalism the and the Chicago School of Economics. Yeah. Exactly. Go watch the platform on Netflix. That's my thing. Because uh, the platform is the perfect example of how trickle down economics do not work. Yes, and it is an awesome, incredible horror foreign film. Yes. Awesome film. Exactly. Jay, bring yeah. us home. Yeah. No, we uh we talk a lot about Central America. Um, don't get scared. It. I'm sure it's not that dangerous now. <laughs> um, I hear a lot of people go out there for vacation. Although, uh, don't go Nicaragua right now because they're having another revolution down there. <laughs> Maybe not there. Maybe not there. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah. With that being said, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>